Welcome to Wanda's Picks, a black arts and cultural program of the African Sisters Media Network. And that was Zion Trinity singing opening prayer to the African deity, Eshu Legba, a deity that lets us know that we always have choices. We are never victims. And so why not, um, you know, take a pause, stop, and think about sort of, you know, your life plan and and what you want to do this year, this month, this week, this day. And we are joined by a wonderful guest whom we haven't spoken to in a minute, um, uh, Ms. Alita Henderson, who is going to talk to us about Say I Love You to Yourself, Stop, Think, and Restore Wellness. And her workshop is going to be on February 28th. So no, no, it's not right now. It's not Sunday. you got a little, got a minute to pause and work it into your schedule. Good morning, Alita. How are you? <laughs> Good morning, Wanda. I'm wonderful. Thank you for having me on your show this morning. Oh, it's been a minute since we talked about See I Love You to myself to yourself. And um and, and you you had the you know, we had the opportunity of having you um facilitate a discussion at uh, one of our Maafa virtual town halls in twenty twenty and we just loved it. You brought your crew with you, like, yeah. <laughs> And so I do have now's a another. Sorry, go ahead. I said I do have a sister network, and it's it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Mhm. Yes, yes, and that's all a part of this process, right? Loving yourself, having a sister support network, a support network. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's um, it's been some really tough times. So talk to us a little bit about this wonderful workshop, um, how you came to create it. And you know, and as you tell us that story, weave your your story into it. Well, it's the story is it's actually my story. Um, it started out of uh, me not taking care of myself, and it uh, re- resulted in a health crisis back in 2014. So this has been a, a multiple year journey of arriving to the place where um, I'm learning to say. I love you to myself and sharing that mission. Um, oftentimes I found myself um, prior to 2014 uh, running, taking care of life. Uh, I was married. I had elderly uh, parents. Uh, I am a mom. And 
So doing all those things that we have to do, um, I was not on my own list, and so my health got impacted. But I wasn't paying attention right away until I hit that brick wall. I'm sure you've heard the expression of if, if God's trying to get your attention, he'll throw a pebble, he'll throw a stone, and then a brick if you don't really, you know, you're slow, and I guess I was slow, and then um, you can eventually hit a brick wall, and that's what happened. So getting uh, well, and uh, which was a journey in itself and, and took a – a team of uh, alternative health providers after um, traditional medicine got me stabilized and, and, you know, feeling pretty decent but still not well well, um, it came to uh, looking for a, a health coach, looking for a life coach, an energy coach. And those were the folks who helped me to to come to uh, developed, actually, say I love you to yourself. My life coach asked me, well, what do you want to do? Because I wasn't working for like 18 months. And um, so we, we went through some exercises, and out of that conversation, out of that self-reflection, I was sitting on my couch one day, and I was like, well, how in the world did I get here? Um, and the, the, the phrase came, hmm, well, I need to say I love you to myself. And then the, the light bulb just kind of came on. And so out of developing the, 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 that concept, um, I needed to learn how to pause before I hit the brick wall and make sure I'm good. What do I need for my mind? What do I need for my physical body? Have I pushed my physical body beyond what was my capability? And oftentimes the answer was yes because I'm running around taking care of everybody else but me. <laughs> and so the workshop is to help us pause and see what are the obstacles, take an inventory of what keeps me from taking care of me. Because oftentimes we want to be of service. Oh, yeah, I can do that. Yes, I can. But have we said no to ourselves? Um, I can I can eat later. I'm going to fix food for my children first. Well, mama needs to eat too. So the concept, if we've been on an airplane, put on your own oxygen mask, that's what this workshop is also kind of reemphasizing. Put on your own oxygen mask first so that you can breathe, you're good, and then you can help somebody else. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the yeah. concept. Mhm. Mhm. That's great great advice too. Great great advice. Mhm. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, um out of the workshop, um after we 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 do a few exercises, we I use a couple of different um modalities of uh reflective journaling. We do some guided imagery, we do some word study to see cuz words have power. And self-care, self-love sounds egotistical in some circles, <laughs> but I want to change that paradigm to say it's really an act of self-compassion. We, Valentine's Day is coming up, and everybody's probably making plans to, you know, express how much they love someone else, which is wonderful, and we do need to have relationships with other people. But um, I'm a person of faith, and so it says 
love thy neighbor as thyself. Well, how well do I love myself? <laughs> and we sometimes mm-hmm. don't think about that. Is It's not, again, an egotistical thought, but if I am caring for myself, then how, how, that's an extension of how I'm going to care for my neighbor. If I'm neglecting resting properly, giving my body the healthy food it needs to function optimally, if I'm not uh, doing things to in, 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 uh, deepen my relationship with the divine or your higher power, whatever you want to call that, if I'm neglecting that piece, then I'm spiritually bankrupt, I'm physically, you know, uh, deprived or and um, my mind is in, not in the right place because I could have stinking thinking, which is not also not an act of loving yourself. So it's it's just beyond. We can't necessarily go to the nail salons and the hair salons just yet, but it's beyond that. The 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 getting your hair done and nails done, and and the occasional massage. It's really knowing. Do do I know my 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 health numbers? What's my my weight? My BMI? My my cholesterol? Am I working to to re, to resolve those things if they're not in alignment with my best interest? Um, in the the business model of of uh, stop think and restore wellness. I talk about a personal agreement with yourself. What is? Are you operating for your highest good in those realms of your mind, body, and spirit? And those are the types of things that I want to share with anyone who wants to join me on the 28th to um, just take some time to pause. We've been in this pandemic for almost a year now. Um, what, are, what are we doing with the time? Are we just complaining about we can't do what we used to do, or are we using this time to really kind of go inside and take an inventory? How am I doing? How am I treating myself? Am I, do I know myself, first of all? Do I, have I examined what it is I like to do, need to do, want to do? Um, earlier this year we did a vision board, uh, virtual vision board uh class as well to help you design your plan for 2021. Um, And uh, I was able to publish uh, a journal to be a companion for that, and that's available on Amazon. Um, So um, there's just, this is a a wonderful time, even in this awful time, to take a moment, come off the grid, and um, say I love you to yourself, quite simply. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, at the uh, the workshop that you facilitated, uh, it was really, really wonderful because you're actually practicing, um, you know, these, these tools in real time. You, you know, you don't yeah. get a book. You don't give us a book and say take it away. We actually spend time with in smaller groups you know, actually doing some of these these activities, and uh, so I wanted to um, know if because you have you actually have a journal that is um, it, that's a new release, right? That's a new release, just within the last uh, couple of weeks, actually. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I was wondering, maybe you could send me a link to your journal so that I could post it for folks so they can check it out on Amazon, as well as um, just so what, what have been um, from those people that have attended your, your workshops? Because say I love you to myself, you, you've been doing that for a minute. I mean, it existed, um, you know, the work before um, the pandemic, so, yes. you know, it's had some real practical hands-on. Now is the time kind of, uh, right. Activation uh, with your organization, um, stop, think, and restore. Um, you know you're the founder and life uh, a founder founder and lifestyle coach. You know you write on your as your as your signature line. And so, as long yes. as you can give tell us a little bit about some of the uh, um, you know from the people that go back to back. those first workshops at the South Berkeley Library. I think is that where they were taking place. Well, actually, um, I did um, kind of a, a uh, focus group for that uh, initially. So um, I did not host a workshop, obviously, last year. So it was in 2000, I think it was 2009 or two, 2019 or 2018. Uh, last year seemed like to be like 10 years. <laughs> um, but okay. the, the two, two workshops that I conducted was – um, the feedback was, uh, first of all, I never thought about things like this, <laughs> and it gave people permission to um, really kind of look in and, and to put some practical things into their lives. Um, oftentimes we, we don't necessarily um, think of ourselves from a, a really with detail, um, we're very detailed about how we care for other people, and so walking um, the participants through um, what are your obstacles, why is it so hard, um, and developing a support system and being able to speak out what you need to help yourself, because oftentimes. Um, being black women, we, oh, I can handle this. But why do we have to handle it all by ourselves? And we don't. Because there's somebody in our community, in our sisterhood, that can be of support. And we need to know that we are relational people uh, and there's someone that we can reach out to, connect with, to support us in challenges that we face. So... Um, when we did a, a in-person workshop, um, it was more of a spa setting that I created. We shared a meal because in, in sharing food, there's a communion that happens there, and it's all done intentionally. Um, when we were in person, um, I set up a, a table that was divided with items for supporting mind, body, and spirit, and each woman would uh, select one item from each segment to then that would be her gift bag. So I'm saddened that we can't do it, we have to do this virtually because that was a very important element. So um, I'll be giving recommendations for each person to um, select specific things that they would need to support their um, mind, body, and spirit. For example, I would have um, just a small thing of bubbles, 
and it would, I call them whimsical um, solitis moments. And solitis is the acronym for say I love you to yourself. So that's uh, a term that will become very, um, uh, you'll become familiar with in the workshop because you'll be creating 30 days of a customized program that you're going to design in the program. And so it's to help start or help to support the self-care practice that um, is the intention for you to walk away with um, at the conclusion of this workshop. So those are the things that the participants um, had when uh, they left to start their practice or enhance their, their self-care practice. Because it is a practice, it's not perfection, but it's, uh, it's learning a new habit if it's not already in place and getting support for this kind of way of being because it's not a luxury that I'm talking about. It's a necessity to help. It's like you breathe in air, you're, you're taking in self-care into your pores so that you can be the best person you can be. So, Wanda, you've got many hats, and so, you know, so it helps to help you um, you know, continue to be the best in all of those areas in which you touch. Um, that's the importance of self-care. That's, that's how vital it is to um, our way of life. Nice, nice. That's great. Yeah, yeah. And particularly women, right? Black women? Definitely. Self-care. We, have, the, mm-hmm. we, we, we run ourselves to, to the bone. Um, we, we, we have our families, we have our our employment or for entrepreneurs, uh, we have our community responsibilities, and the list goes on and on and on. And when I was doing talks to a, a women's group in Antioch, I would, it, we, we developed this, you know, get on your own list, because we got this whole laundry list of things we, we got to do, but where are you on that list? And or did you even make the list, <laughs> you know? And that is uh, the sad reality is that personally I was not on my own list. And, again, out of that health crisis, I had to get bumped, I had to bump myself up to the top of the list so that I could then handle the rest of the things I needed to do and wanted to do. And the birthing of Say I Love You to Yourself, the rebranding of Stop, Think, and Restore, um, developing the the paths of wellness, which is stop, think, and restore your wellness, um, that all arrived out of me stopping, taking time to do a self-inventory, to live through the things that I'm sharing with your audience. Um, and I, I really thank you for the opportunity this morning. Um, we we just need to pay attention to um, our own uh, well-being, and we only have one body. We can't order Amazon and get new parts, right? So mm. what we have, we need to take care of and be a good steward of the the temple that we've been given. And what a wonderful world it would be if we all were kinder to ourselves, and then that would spill out into our families, our community, and truly impact the world in a great way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly, certainly. 
So um, you also, um, you know, you've got uh, clinical training, and uh, so, you know, your your work is a one where, where you are um, taking care of people and helping people with their 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 mental health and well being. And I was wondering if you could talk about um sort of, you know, having having that kind of skill set and again, you know, like you mentioned, looking in the mirror and, and applying it to yourself as opposed to making other people, you know, lives right. function more um, effectively. Uh, you know, taking that, that skill set and working it into your own care plan as well as, you know, developing this wonderful uh series of, of um of classes and courses and workshops and now, you know, publications. Yes. So my training um has been uh through a health coaching program. It's a was a year long program, um, multiple uh teachers, it was an online program. And um also, I'm a student of uh, psychology. I'm not a, a, a licensed professional. That's a, another achievement to come down the road. Uh, so my mind has always been driven or, or drawn to that, that arena. Um, and I, people often think I'm a teacher by profession, and I guess I am now that I think about it, but um, they always thought I was a school teacher, um, I've been a good listener, and so putting all that together into this package now of, of, of being a lifestyle coach, um, and I call it a lifestyle coach because when um, my training is health coaching by 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 name, but I like to look of it as a, a larger. I'm I'm talking about lifestyle changes. So when I'm talking to a client about. Um, what what food they're eating, um, that's just one component because I have told my clients that uh, you can eat all the, the kale that you want, but if you're unhappy with your job, if you're unhappy with your relationships, and I mean not just not spousal or, or partner, but your f- family relationships, if those are sour, <laughs> then that impacts your health. Our emotions impact our health, um, how satisfied you are with your life. So you can eat, you can be a, a, a healthy, clean, eating vegan, but if your life choices, your life circumstances aren't um, helping you to feel satisfied, then that's still an area of your entire life that we need to, to take a look at. So there's a tool that I use, it's real simple, of um, a wheel of 12 areas, and I have you plot out what is your level of satisfaction in those different areas. And some of those areas are what about um, your uh, joy, your creativity, um, your physical activity. Um, And and I'm not going to enumerate the whole thing, but that gives you a snapshot of, how do you feel about yourself? It's it's subjective, yes, but it's your opinion about how you are in, in, in your in your feeling comfortable kind of in your own skin. And so we prioritize where do you want to start in those twelve areas and, and work through what it is that you need to feel more satisfied with your life. <laughs> 
because it's your life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so those are the, the the types of tools that I'll use. Um, guided imagery in the workshop is um, another tool that I like to use because when our minds can see mentally what we want then that helps us to bring it into real into our actual physical reality but everything every invention first started with an idea and so if we can maximize our mental visualization of our desired income then that will encourage us to in our physical realm bring that into fruition and so that's that's kind of how I approach things. Um, I've had some really good mentors that uh, have helped me along the way and given me some really good tools, and so I just want to share that with um, those who either come to this workshop or seek, uh, you know, health coaching, lifestyle coaching uh, services. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. That's <laughs> interesting, you know, that, that we would um... – Need um, some guidance around our lives, and you think, well, what, what else is necessary? You just get up in the morning and brush your teeth and get on with your day. <laughs> Why would anyone need someone to help them live? I mean, this seems like a no-brainer. You just well, breathe, right, and eat, and <laughs> yeah. But well, yeah, go ahead. Uh-huh. We all need, and, and it's it's a matter of accountability. Because mm-hmm. we will let ourselves off the hook and rationalize. Um, it was so funny because uh, I'm on a because the coach needed to be coached, um, and mm-hmm. I'll be very transparent. Um, I um, during during the initial months of Rona, um, we were all you know really truly on lockdown. So we we ventured out or delivered groceries, had groceries delivered and or. That's all we went to do. And so I was just eating my way through the days and weeks of, of corona and um, or, uh, of COVID, rather. And uh, that was not a sustainable way of life. <laughs> and so I had to, to make a, a, a very drastic decision to enroll myself in a program to help me with my health management. So even the coach, I'm I'm not going to say that I'm walking in perfection because that's not by any stretch. So now I have reduced my, I'll I'll say released, because that's what I call it, is the release of weight. So I've released a substantial amount of weight since last September. It's been over 70 pounds because Mm -hmm. I had added weight some poundage, and we won't get into the actual numbers, but um, I'm at a healthier place than I have in over 20 years. I'll just put it that way. So I oh dang, 20 years, wow. Yeah, That's significant. I had I had already before Rona had you know been a substantially uh, heavier than I in than in my 20s. After I, I finally released my my pre-pregnancy or my post-pregnancy weight. Uh, after 23 years of my child being on the planet. So um, so it was just I needed some coaching as well. So we all need to be accountable, particularly when we want to 
reach certain goals in our life. And that's where any type of coaching um, is necessary. When you're when you're doing public speaking, there's coaching that needs to be uh, available to an individual so that they can, perf- you know, improve. So we all need practice and, and, and extra guides sometimes in our life. So it's not um, a shameful thing, and it's, it's actually saying that you realize I need some support in this area. And that's all a coach is, is a, a support for a particular time. Um, I don't have lifetime clients, um, and nor do I necessarily want to encourage that because at some point you do need to, you know, get the the um, the messaging, get the tools, and use the tools. Now, refreshers, like uh, everyone who has a degree or a certification, you have to keep up your educational credits, right? So mm-hmm. periodically you would dip back into reaching out to a coach if there's a particular area that you want to work on. And it's just, again, a matter of being accountable to someone for giving you that support to guide you on this part of your journey. And and that's all that I am is a guide. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So tell our audience once again how to sign up for um, the Say I Love You To Myself um, workshop coming up uh, later right. on this month. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, it is on Eventbrite, and it uh, you can either search by name. Um, I don't have the flyer, so I'll, I'll share that with you, Wanda, um, after uh, we're off air. Um, but I, I linked uh, to your Eventbrite um, description that you sent me a while back, so people can, okay. can go to my website and click on um, the link, the live link. But in but if people who aren't just listening, I just wanted you to say it to them <laughs> so that they'd have it, you know, um, if they're taking notes. Yes, but go to Eventbrite and you'll see, um, say, I love you to yourself workshop on February 28th. It's going to be uh, about a three-hour uh, session because I want to give time for the the tools that I'll be sharing, but then also give time for us to work in in a in a group setting to put together your calendar for your 30-day customized program for self-care. Because that is the ultimate goal: is to at the end of this time together on the 28th, you walk away with your customized self-care program for the next 30 days. Excellent. That's the goal. All right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, congratulations on, you know, dropping 70 pounds. That's significant. You probably can see that. Uh, Almost definitely. <laughs> Most definitely. Yeah, you're, tre- you're treading more lightly on the planet, right? <laughs> indeed, indeed. And it feels good. It feels good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was so pleased to see um, last month, you know, it's like, oh, she's like kicking it off. Right away, I think it was um, early January, you know, the workshop around doing the vision board and, and your book launch and all that. I'm like, oh, i gotta, I got to get your book, too. I'd like to read over and right. see what you, yeah, yeah. So anyway, congratulations on keeping this moving. Thank you. And I will do a repeat of the vision board uh, workshop in, in uh, April. So look for that upcoming date as well because um, – 
we often think of that starting out the beginning of the year, getting our vision for the year in place, and that's fine. But at any time, we can pause and get our vision into uh, into view by writing it down and, and making it plain and reviewing it. So um, for those who maybe didn't join me in January, you'll have an opportunity in April um, the date I, I, I have yet to determine, but uh, it's going to be coming up um, to take a look at your vision for 2021. Mm-hmm. Okay. Excellent, excellent. All righty, cool, cool. Well, you have a good morning, and, um, yeah, Thank and you. I hope the, uh, the workshop goes really well. And, um, oh, oh, I forgot, there is a cost, right? There is a cost. It's $45.00. And it's uh, you can pay uh, through PayPal. Um, the options are on uh, Eventbrite. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Super. Super. Okay. Yes. Well, cool. All right. Well, thank, well, thank you again you for, for joining us. Oh, no yep. problem. No problem. Anytime. Um, you provide a great service. I can say that because I've been through the workshop. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Wanda. I appreciate you. Oh, you're welcome. You take good care. All right. right. Bye bye now. Bye. Peace and blessings. Oh, good morning, Karishi. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. How are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Fine. I was like, oh, you're staying for the whole first part. That's so awesome. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, when you called me, I was like, I, I thought I was at 1030, but. Okay. No, you weren't. And then I kept on like trying to like let you know you're early. Sorry. I mean, I I had to call you 30 minutes early <laughs> because I was going oh. on the air, but you didn't have to join me 30 minutes early. But it was nice to see you hanging out in the studio. So, wow. Um, how can Black survivors use art that not only raises awareness but also helps them and others to heal? And um, this wonderful workshop. Red Zone, not workshop, excuse me, performance, Red Zone, a transmutative mutative ritual that was um, performed, was it performed in 2019 or 2020? 2019, right? Uh-huh, November. And yeah. Yeah, so um, it's interesting. So um, if you know Jennifer John from the Bay Area, yeah. Um, and Kendra Kimbrough Dance Company um, mm-hmm. did a collaboration. And so the interesting thing about, so, you know, Jennifer, she's not just a singer. Um, she's a multifaceted artist, right? So singer, um, writer, um, poet. Uh, I didn't even know. I didn't even know uh, when I went to the show, I was like, oh, wow, like, this is a whole, it's a choreo poem, right? So basically uh, like a play, but it's a mixture of, um, singing, poetry, storytelling, um, and it's about uh, black survivors. And what she did was she, she created this transmutation um, ritual to uh, shift her own relationship to her uh, to the harm and trauma that was caused her through sexual assault and violence. Um, and it's basically a way for somebody to take their power back, right? So I changed the story, I changed the narrative. Um, and I put myself into this art piece, learn the lessons that I need so that I can no longer be a prisoner um, to the pain, the suffering, and the experience. 
And so it, it's a really, really powerful art piece. And what we're doing, um, I work, I'm the um, interim program organizer for Me Too, for the mm-hmm. Me Too movement. Um, and one of the things that Me Too does is center black um, black female or black uh, women and girls uh, survivors, right? And so we wanted to be able to, since we say that we do that, um, during Black History Month, we're having this whole focus on um, shifting the narrative around um, what survivor action looks like, what survivor leadership looks like, um, and really lifting up stories. Um, one of the ones that we're focusing on this month is uh, Rosa Parks, right? And so the way that the the story is told about Rosa Parks is kind of passive resistance where, you know, she just sat on the bus and refused to get up or whatever. But really when we, um, when our, our um, uh, employees started doing research, what, one of the things that uh, we found is that uh, survivors actually helped to spawn the civil rights movement. Like it really started around black women that were getting raped and Rosa Parks was, was um, That's right. in that, in that, um, and that struggle, right? Um, and which for me was like, wow, like I had all the things that you're told about um, the civil rights movement, about black women, and specifically about Rosa Parks, I never knew that um, that her that there was that kind of fight and fire um, to support survivors. Um, and so we want to take an evening to just focus on black women and girls, our healing. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about black girl magic and the things that make us special and all the ways that the world, through experiences, messaging, um, trauma, try to stomp that out. And how do we reclaim mm-hmm. it, right? And so what Jennifer Johns did in collaboration with Kendra Kimbrough Dance Company is take back her power and say you can't have it. Like you, you, um, those who have harmed me have taken up enough space and um, who have hi- they have hijacked my life and for parts of my life long enough, and I'm going to reclaim it. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's what we're going to do. Right. Well, that's excellent. Maybe you could tell our audience a little bit more about yourself. Um, you know, you um, you've, you've done a whole lot of things. Uh, one of the things that I remember, um, besides your one woman. Um, one woman performance piece that is awesome. Oh my goodness! Tell the audience about that. You know, and it's beautiful. Oh my goodness! Um, that evening of theater with you as a part of the um, uh, lower bottom players um, um, uh, theater program, theater um, piece with um, with Cat Brooks and Ayodele and Zinga. You each were like telling your stories, but they they overlapped. I, you have to tell us the name of that that evening. It was really, really, really powerful. Um, you know, you also, you know, started the program at McClyman's High School, and um, you would take young people to South Africa every year. And yeah. uh, I don't know how many years you did that, but I, I would see you out and about at various events like, you know, um, <laughs> Kendra, uh, Kimbrough Barnes, and uh, Laurie Lane Ellis when they would have the um, – the Black Choreographers Festival here and now, you'd be right there raising money <laughs> for your young folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because I've had a longstanding relationship with um, with Kendra and Laura and the Black Choreographers Festival. 
um, mm-hmm. that have kind of led to this moment. So when I first mm-hmm. moved to the to Oakland um, in 2006, um, one of the things I started doing was dancing. I'm, I'm a dancer. That's one of my art forms. And I was dancing at Laney, and I was dancing at Malanga, and I'm a choreographer. And I actually moved to Oakland to, to start um, a size-positive um, dance company for black women, size-positive, age-positive dance company for black women called PRISM. And I joined um, Black Choreographers Festival was offering uh, workshops for choreographers. Um, and so I, I've taken several workshops with them, including a fellowship that I received in 2011 um, that paired me with a choreography coach and gave me resources and allowed me to put, um, I think it was like a 15-minute piece in the Black Choreographers Festival in 2012. And so I did that, um, and I've um, danced and um, put my own dance pieces in the Black Choreographers Festival for several years. So I have a, a nice relationship with them. Um, and then I've actually known Jennifer John since, ooh, before I even moved to Oakland. She used to live in L.A. and did a poetry spot. And I'm also a poet, and so I would um, go to her poetry spot um, and perform there. And so this, this is kind of like a, a beautiful colliding of these worlds um, and these people that I've had a wonderful relationship with. The piece that you're talking about is called Too Much Woman for This World. So I'm also um, a writer, writer, poet, director, actress, choreographer, dancer, um, performer. I do a bunch of things. And I have two podcasts. But um, when I graduated from my MFA program, I wanted to have, I was trying to figure out what I could do. I didn't want to just be a poet. I didn't want to just go to school and, and do some pieces. I wanted to put it in a package that made sense, right? And I've been um, a big girl my whole life. And one of the things I've noticed when I perform or just when I move through the world, people are always trying to figure out how I was able to develop confidence and my relationship to self. It's been a, something that has always been a question, right? And what I realized is, we tell people to have self-esteem, but we don't tell them how to get there. And so I wanted mm-hmm. to create something based on my life um, that was kind of like a model for how to develop self-esteem. And that's when I came up with Too Much Woman for This World. Um, and just really telling my story. How did I, you know, what were the different experiences I had um, growing up that, and then what was my ability to develop, or how was I able to develop self-esteem through those experiences? And... Um, that's what you saw. You saw that at um, our EIEI's House of Burning Soul in 2019. Right. And and then before that, though, I, I knew your voice because I remember at ODC, I think I was sitting in the theater because um, your writing is really, really beautiful, and it's a part of the landscape of the pieces that you write. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like the, the, you, you're, you're really similar to... Um, <clears throat> to um, um, I think what's Robert's company called? Um, um, John. Oh, Robert Henry. I mean Robert Henry Johnson. No, no, with Robert Henry Johnson, that's a good example. Robert Moses. Um, you know how he uh, he choreographs to 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 poetry and to words. Um, um, mm-hmm. And 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 he he writes. I mean, it's original. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then sometimes it's not. Like I remember one time I think he choreographed to, I don't know if it was Nikki Giovanni or, no, I think it was Lorraine Hansberry and um, in, in conversation with James Baldwin um, and maybe one other person. And I'm like, wow, look at that. They're dancing to words, like not, not set to music, but words, like a conversation. This is like phenomenal. And and so, you know, we you had these this wonderful piece, and I think it was a early iteration, and it was at Black Choreographers that I, I think I, I saw you, not, you know, way, way back, you know, when you were telling us sort of, you know, your journey there. And I'm like, wow, this is so beautiful. And I think I came up to you afterwards and like, did you write that? <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. I was trying to, like, jot down every word. It was so, like, this is so gorgeous. Oh, my goodness. And then, um, yeah, I, I can see it in my mind because I think there was, like, the outline of there was a mirror. There were, like, you know, there were, there was there were pieces in the set. <laughs> and uh, And there were these different different stages in, in the character's life and yeah, it was just really awesome. You're you're really a fine writer and and in your story, you know mm-hmm. that you're saying, you know, the the iteration of it that you meant we're speaking of, the fir- the you know, the more recent iteration, you do, you know, give folks tools and that is really important. Um, 'cause a lot of people feel shame around around um, you know, the assault as if they were asking for it. Or they should feel like they, yeah. It's just just the thinking around it, you know. When when you're in our in a female body, and and you get harmed, particularly you know gender based violence kind of harm. Yeah, there's there's like no love. <laughs> yeah, you know it's interesting. One of the things that we want to um, really try to uplift, and I think that is is it is important for people to know is that survivors are everywhere, right, like all throughout your life. The people you work with, the people in your family, um, the people you've dated, um, the people in the grocery stores, the people at the post office, like there's no facet of life that you can go to where you have not interacted with, knowingly or unknowingly, somebody that is a survivor or that is uh, uh, deeply connected to a survivor, right? And and I, I think that that's important to know because one of the things that we have um, we have a tendency to do is make that their problem, right? And I I want I really want everybody to know that like survivor um, survivor leadership and 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 survivorhood is everybody's problem. And there's no one person who is not touched in some way, shape, form, or fashion um, by um, survivors, right? And uh, one of the cool things about Me Too is that it's a survivor-led organization, and we really try to empower survivors in, in different facets to take leadership, um, to tell their stories, to um, empower other survivors, and we believe that there's a unique um, amount of empathy, um, understanding, and nuance that survivors have because of their experiences that really if we can tap into that intelligence and those learnings and um, those skills that, that, that they have, if we can tap into it and hone in on those skills, um, we really can get survivors to help. Like survivors can help us in sexual violence permanently. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, yeah, yeah. I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about that. Like tell our audience about Me Too and, uh, and your work. 
yeah, yeah. Give us a little 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 lesson around like what is Me Too? Tell us about, you know, the sister who who coined the the phrase and and then it was kind of like co opted and and centered in, you know, the white woman experience. Um mm-hmm. and yeah, and it's like, Hold up <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And and you know, on your on the flyer, you know, we also see uh Sojourner Truth and and that I, I just love she's like my, my idol. Um, you mm-hmm. know, like she's my go to ancestor. <laughs> Always have to call her name. Mm-hmm. Love love her work and uh yeah, yeah, and I'm really happy that you're centering um Rosa Parks, you know, as survivor, um, as well as um act you know, activator. And, and around, you know, addressing the harm and the potential harm that black women face because black women were not seen as worthy of respect as well as black women were not seen as human beings that could be attacked. Mm-hmm. And and these women that, you know, these a lot of these women were married women and 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 their, and their husbands and their fathers and their brothers and other men in the community and their uncles were trying to protect them as well. And it was just, like, so difficult because the legal system did not recognize their, their the women's human rights. It was crazy. Absolutely yeah, crazy. I'm, I'm reading one of our flyers right now, and there's a quote from Rosa Parks that says, I was ready to die, but give my consent, never Never, never, right? And mm-hmm. uh, it says, before the world knew Rosa Parks as a civil rights icon, refusing to give up her seat on, on a Montgomery bus in 1955, she was a survivor of an attempted rape and the NAACP mm-hmm. sexual assault investigator. Me Too is an extension of Rosa Parks' work and legacy, right? And so one of, mm-hmm. one of the things we want to say is that, like, survivors have been a part of the movement, there's and and really lifting up those stories that like this is this didn't start with um in this moment um it didn't start when Tarana said uh, me too it didn't start um, with what we're conscious of like black women have been survivors and we have been pushing and fueling movement um and it's it's important to understand that and to tell their to tell our stories and to connect it like um one of the things we say is um, a monument to our movement and that the work that we're doing today is becoming a tile in in, in our movement story, right? We are adding to that to our movement story currently. Um, and it's important, you know, when Tarana said me too, um, not just her own story, but also so many, you know, she was working with black women and girls in Alabama and realizing how many, what is it like, um, I think on paper, those that report, it's like one in four women will be um, victims of sexual assault or violent, uh, sexual violence in their lifetime, mm-hmm. right? And those are the ones that we know about. Those are the ones one that in, report. One in four, that's a high number. Wow. Yeah. And you know Very what's high. crazy, um, Ms. Wanda, is, um, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I've done a lot of work with women and girls um, in my life, and... Yeah. One of the things I'm keenly aware of is when I have when I'm in circles of women and girls, that number is really true. When when there's a moment where people have to, to when they name their survivorship, you start to realize like so many 
of us have been violated, so many of us, um, young girls, our family members, people out in the world, um, yeah. folks that we know, teachers, like, you know, it is it is it is a movement just to reclaim our body. Mhm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. And and to not feel you're to blame in some way. I was hosting um some uh healing circles um uh for black women who've experienced uh gender based violence a couple of years ago and uh Joyce Gordon allowed us to use her gallery as the space and I really appreciate that and, and I really was it was just so wonderful because that particular year all of the all of the the artists were women and and so you know within the art you know work that would change every month that we were there it it just sort of really resonated with the themes and what was coming up for the sisters and but mm-hmm. it was so hard to get the women to 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 commit to four meetings and to come <laughs> I think I think we only had like two people that came for two of the four, and and then one one session no one came except me and, and another person. We went to see uh, Toni Morrison's um, film when she was still alive, Pieces of Myself, and just think about you know how how you know I mean in in, in one way you know you look at different aspects of who you are because people think they know you but they just don't know the aspect that they see. And so in the film, mm-hmm. these pieces of myself, this is, not, this is not all of Toni Morrison. This is just, you know, what she wants to share with us in this moment. You know, if, you, if you're like her, uh, someone that's close to her, then you know that there are a whole lot more pieces that are not in this story. Um, but then you could also look at it as that pieces being fractured, right, like the pieces of yourself that you have to pull back together to make a whole again because you've been assaulted, you've been you know um um <clears throat> you know you've had to to sort of absorb violence and and you know those kinds of i guess um uh, experiences you know walking in this body walking in this gender you know for as long as you've been walking in it in America or in the western culture but it doesn't even matter because you can be in another culture that's not western and you can still experience the same kind of Violence, right? Mhm. Yeah, yeah, you know, I think as I'm listening to you talk, um, it's interesting. Even when you're talking about um, black women not taking advantage of that space, one of the things that comes up for me is what your previous guest was talking about around self care. And I think often mm, yeah. we don't take uh, advantage of opportunities um, to take care of ourselves. Um, Ooh, excuse me, I have to see. Um, but uh, we don't take advantage of opportunities to take care of ourselves, to honor space that's just for us. And it's rare that those that space is even created solely for us, right? And I think we're um, so busy taking care of everybody and everything else that we forget that uh, our, our, we are key <laughs> in that. Um, and... And I think also, like, you know, to be a black woman in this country is a unique experience because, as you were highlighting before, on so many levels, we were we're seen as, I don't even think it's we were, right? I don't think that uh, our bodies are seen as ours. I don't think that there is space made um, for us either to um, have a sexuality or mm-hmm. I was uh, interviewing in my podcast um, 
in December, I got to interview um, Mizan and Siswe of SpiritWorks. And one of the mm-hmm. things that they said was that um, our uh, sexuality is one of the biggest um, things that has been controlled, that has been co-opted by white supremacy and oppression. And so our relationship to ourselves, um, how we can feel about ourselves, um, how we can express, express ourselves, um, what that looks like is com- uh, like that that has been completely tainted because of our experience in this country. And so it's an interesting mix, and I think it's especially true for black women, and it's an interesting mix of like where we are hypersexualized, right, for the use of others and the ways that others feel like they can take advantage of us and our bodies. And we're also seen as like um, not female, right, like um, like property, and not just property, like like aggressive, like, you know, what do they say, like, black women are seen, like, right under men in terms of, like, um, uh, creating fear, right? So we're not seen as those who need to be taken care of, those whose space needs to be made for, those who have voices that need to be honored. There's, it's just a very interesting mix of the ways um, that our experience and with oppression in this country impacts black women. Hmm. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, you could talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, yeah. The whole idea of um, you know feeling worthy um, to take care of oneself, and and the whole notion that if we don't take care of ourselves, no one's like standing in line to take care of us. And then I think about you know the women who are not, who are incarcerated, right? And and you know mm-hmm. about eugenics, the whole eugenics movement. Oh, they're feeble-minded. Mm-hmm. Let's let's take their let's take their womb. Let's 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 um, you know, let's surgically remove their ability to procreate, you know, because all they're going to be carrying are more more criminals, right? As if as if a hysterectomy is a way to keep our our society safer. Okay, we remove your ability to bear young, and and they're doing this without the women knowing about it, or they're they're saying, well, uh, you know, it's sort of like. As an authoritarian kind of way that if you don't do this, this is going to happen to you, and and there were so many women sterilized, even though there are laws mm-hmm. saying uh, it's against the law. And right now there is a reparations bill, um, uh, and there's there's a film um, that um, I'm trying to think what is the name of the film? Um, it's because it's currently at the Roxy right now, and um, and Mary J. Blige um, did the soundtrack for it and uh, I had the director on my radio show um oh, Belly of the Beast right mm-hmm. yeah uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you know know that film but it's at the Roxy uh the virtual Roxy theater screening right now but um yeah it's um it's it's a really big story that um that this particular art piece releases you know gives us sort of permission to talk about this we don't need permission, but it it creates a space to be able to talk about this, mm-hmm. which is important. Yeah, yeah. I I think um, <laughs> I don't know how often even black women get asked how they're authentically doing, right? Um, mm-hmm. Let alone our experiences around um, violation and trauma, and to be able to um, have space for us to take care of ourselves 
and the others to take care of us as opposed to having to take care of um, everybody else. I just don't know how often that actually happens. Um, and I think it's important because we cannot heal um, if that space is not made, if we don't take that those opportunities. Um, one of our one of our flyers says, uh, one in five black women are survivors of rape. And for every black woman who reports rape, at least 15 black women do not report, right? And so even if we're thinking, like, I, what's crazy about that, as we're talking, like, you know, black women receive far worse health care than um, our white counterparts, right? Um, so a black woman with a college degree with a, a, a career, professional career, is going to receive worse health care than a white woman who might not have even graduated from high school. And one of the things, one of the reasons is, and I don't know if you've heard this, but there's a story that we can t- tolerate pain better. So we yes, I know that doctor, story. Yes. Often, mm-hmm. and I've had this experience, right, where there's a pain and they just, it's dismissed or something's wrong and it's dismissed or, like, poorly diagnosed or given attention to because we can just take it. There's this assumption that we can just take it. And if that's happening in around uh, throughout healthcare, that also happens when we report rape and assault, right? When you think about, like, the necessity to get rape kits or whatever, like, that's not just something that one person thinks. If there's a belief that black women can take pain better and that it's not a problem, then that impacts every aspect of, like, how we're able um, to receive care and support, um, especially when it comes to sexual assault and violence. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering if you could tell our audience um how to, to tune into your to your um to your radio show. How often oh, does it air opinion. and where what's it called? Um, so I have two podcasts currently, um and they are on air all streaming platforms, um Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, um you can you can even listen to my podcast on Audible on audible.com um, if you have an Audible app. But there are two of them. One is called Too Much Woman for This World, and uh, that's a more recent one. I started it in the fall of 2020, and one of the things I wanted to do was when we think about uh, body po- the body positivity movement, uh, a lot of it is still centered around fashion, right, which is great. Like that, that big women can, like, have nice clothes, fashionable clothes, feel good about ourselves is wonderful, right, and – I also think it's important for um, um, us to lift up the stories of big women in the world. Like, big women are doing all kind of amazing things, and we all don't fit the the, the uh, narrative of not liking our bodies and feeling bad about ourselves, not owning our sexy. Like, I'm not an anomaly, right? Like, there are many big women who are movers and shakers in this world who are confident about who they are and how they move in the world. And so I wanted to lift up those stories. Um, And I currently have about 11 episodes of that. And then um, you can also go to my Too Much Woman for This World Facebook page and see the live interview um, of the podcast. And then uh, my other podcast is two, almost two and a half years old, and it's called The Sexy Side of Size. Sexy Side of Size, and again, okay. it's on all streaming platforms. And we, it's a size positive, sex positive podcast. And I really want 
I think that it is imperative that we um, heal and create new narratives or listen to our narratives um, around black sexuality and talk about, like, um, you know, one of the things that I say on my podcast is one of the reasons I started is because my mom, I realized after doing, um, uh, what is it called, um, Eve Ensler's, um The Vagina Monologue. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. When I was when I was twenty five I was working at Cal Poly Pomona in Southern California and um we were doing the vagina monologues and you know, part of a lot of the process is not just the monologue but it's um or in rehearsals you do a lot of talking, right? And what the monologues mean and what that looks like in our lives and all that. And so it made me go home and talk to everybody about all the women about all the things that I was um learning and I remember asking my mom if she had ever had an orgasm before, and she was like, I don't know. And and it boggled my mind that my mother, two marriages later, two kids later, was that disconnected from her body and her sexuality. And and what I've learned is that, that she's not unique. And so I really wanted to create a space, especially to for black women to talk about their sexuality, to learn from each other, um, uh, we usually have at least one male guest on, um, and just to create dialogue to demystify sex, to take away the shame of talking about sex and sexuality in our bodies, um, yeah, and to claim it as a form of black joy. Like, mm-hmm. our sexuality yeah. is just as important as our mental and emotional development, our spiritual development. Like, all of those things are deeply connect, interconnected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly, certainly. Yeah, yeah. I got a um, got a text from from Linda Steele um, that uh, she can pop on, jump jump on for a minute. So so we'll we'll see what happens. Um, do you have to go right now? Um, did you want to? Here, there's Linda. So you all can say hey to each other and continue the conversation. <laughs> Hello. Hey, Linda Steele. How are you? I'm doing all right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And can Good morning. we see? Uh, is on, Hi, so I know you all know each other. Yeah, I want you to um, pose a question to to Linda. She has about fifteen minutes. Um, that's something that we didn't cover because um, Linda, you are actually performing in the piece. Um, so Karishi, um, uh, Linda, do you Karishi? Do you have a question for Linda um, in this moment? Well, one of the things I think um, is interesting is. Because it's a transmutation ritual, and it was for um, Jennifer, but what was the impact for you performing in the piece? Yeah, so it was, um, okay, so going back, it was definitely, I don't think we all knew the type of topic we'd have to be covering, and we knew the gravity of it, but um, individually, for myself personally, it was a very liberating experience. Um both negatively and positively, um, it kind of cracked open a lot of things that I hadn't really addressed or even taken a look at. So being in that process and moving through and navigating all of that stickiness through dance and through music and through words was definitely something that I don't think I would have been able to do without that sort of container. So, um, And having the space to do that with all these brilliant artists and, and the whole experience of it was very heavy, you know, but it was very much necessary, very much necessary. 
man, I, I just remember, um, oh, like, so uh, <laughs> just as an audience member, right, um, there was the movement was so poignant, like, the way the story is told is just so powerful. And I was, I remember thinking, like, how did Kendra think of that movement? Like, how was that a movement choice for what is being talked about right now? It was just, um, <laughs> it was such a beautiful, a, a beautiful, powerful experience. And it was emotional and it was raw and it was, like, honest and and transformative. Like, I don't know that anybody could watch, anybody, survivor or not, could watch that piece and be the same. So I can just yeah. imagine what it's like to actually go through the performance and, and to tap into it on your own. Definitely. And that was something that you mentioned, honesty, just real quick. I just wanted to touch on that. That was probably the most key component of the whole process was being honest to ourselves, whatever that looks like. And so um, I don't know if you remember, there was a point in the piece where we all start weeping on stage just from everything that has been piled on and then actually physically going through these motions. There was a part where we were, it was put into the piece, but we started weeping. And as we were practicing, you know, we kind of like, okay, this is the weeping section. But on stage, you get to that point, and it's literally like the depths of what has happened literally just start coming out. So there's no faking it, you know, is what I mean to say. Like, you can't really go through that process um, on the superficial level. You have to kind of dig deep to bring those those stories to light. Yeah. I want to ask you, um, Linda, if you could maybe, for our audience who don't know the live performance, um, sort of like a preview of the, I'm so happy you all, um, you know, filmed it. So so those people like myself who weren't able to attend can can attend at least through, through that medium. But I want to know if you could let our audience know, like, who were the other dancers and, uh, and what were you told? about the journey and, and how how did Kendra set the piece on you all? And and then I know Jennifer, um, she, you know, she's a singer, you know, she's a writer, you know, she does a lot. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering how the words came in to the piece. Yeah, so um, the piece originally started with four dancers, um, myself, Gia Jackson, um, Kriya Marchand, and then also Paige Mays, um, with Jen doing the vocals and also all the written work and Kendra choreographing all of the movement. And that was sort of the first iteration of it. And then the final version that we saw at Malanga was the three dancers were myself, Lydia Clinton, and Gia Jackson. And it was just the three of us, still with Jennifer Johns and Kendra being very much involved. So um, mm-hmm. it was interesting because because of the topic of it, it's a very personal process, as you can imagine. So morphing that, we had to go from various different, you know, groups of dancers and groups of artists. So we each time had to kind of build this this sort of safe sanctuary where we all felt okay to have these experiences and to share these experiences. And I really have to give it up to Kendra and Jen because they were very instrumental in helping us feel that safety um, I don't think I would have been able to divulge all of these, you know, different feelings about what has happened to us as women without that safe space. So um, that was something that was very important right offhand. Um, and then all of it kind of organically kind of came together, you know, like Kendra would definitely set specific movement on us and, you know, she wants this and this, this and that and that, but 
we kind of filled in the, the textures of it with our own experience, with our own artistry that came through our dancing. And, and Jen, of course, like using the music and her words as an inspiration to further go deep into that was, it was amazing. Um, again, it was, it wasn't always sunshine and rainbows <laughs> at all, but it was definitely something that was very, very heavy, but it was very liberating at the end of it. Very liberating. It's interesting. One of the um, I'm actually interested in doing uh, a transmutation uh, ritual uh, with my art, and I was talking to Jen about it. And what she was saying to me was, because um, it, it's funny because you said it, it wasn't always sunshine and ra- rainbows, and that's one of the things that you said. She was like, "Get ready. If you say you want to work through this, like <laughs> spirit is going to help you work through this. Exactly. Like, all the stuff is going to come up, and and she was like, you're going to go through." challenges and changes as you address that. So you really are um, being forced to heal. Like you're really, that that healing that you're calling for, like you have to go through the process. Yeah. No, definitely. Definitely. And that was one of the beautiful things about it, for sure. Yeah. So when you say transmutation, um, both of you, what what do you mean, transmutation? Um. Well, Jen, that was the first time I heard the word transmutation. Jen had brought it up um, in discussion when talking about the whole project. And from my understanding, how she described it was um, taking something very emotionally, spiritually heavy, um, and instead of holding on to it for your whole life, using art or using whatever you can to heal that, and move it through you so that at the end of it, it becomes something beautiful, something beneficial, something that heals you or can heal you um, or has already healed you. So it's kind of like instead of just the way I kind of think of it as like if you're super angry about something or something is weighing on you, instead of going out and yelling at someone and projecting that onto them, how do you actually take that emotion and transmute it into something that will benefit you? something that will get you further into your healing versus something that will continue to hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's my that's my understanding when I was talking to her about uh, what it was. Um, that's my understanding of it. And, you know, I just think, I think that it is important, like, not even just um, to see yourself as a survivor, but really somebody that is a thriver, right, that we don't have to, although um, people, Somebody might have taken something from us, and we might have um, been harmed. That that's a place, that, and this is what's powerful to me about the piece, is that you don't have to stay there, right? That you actually get to reclaim your story. You get to reclaim your life and your relationship to the pain so that you aren't stuck or um, being harmed over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, I know you have to go, um, Linda. I just want to thank you so much for popping in for a few minutes uh, to of talk course. about the experience. And, yeah, really looking forward to, to Friday. So are you going to be in, in the other dancers? Are they going to be a part of the, the panel after we see the film to engage the audience in conversation? I'm not sure about the other dancers, but I will be there um, on okay. Friday. I'm planning on being there on yeah, Friday. Yes, but thank you both so much. Thank you, Wanda. Thank you, Trishi. Very nice to hear you two again, and I hope you have a beautiful day. 
All right, you as well. See you Friday. Peace and blessings. All right, you as well. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, Karishi, I um, I uploaded the um, the sound of the uh, of the trailer because <laughs> you know because um, Jennifer and Kendra are speaking in it, and then there's the music and Alinda mm-hmm. speaking in it too. Um, I want to know if you want to stay on and and listen, and then maybe have some final comments, perhaps. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, cool. All right, let's see what this sounds like. It's about four four minutes. So I first thought about doing a work around sexual assault in 2018 and kept kind of shelving it. I really wasn't ready to um, really dive into the subject, the content, um, but things kept coming up. And Jennifer and I had talked about working together a few years ago, and the timing wasn't right, so um, she kept coming up again. Um, I know that she does a lot of work around social justice and women, and um, I just thought this was a great time for us to come together and talk about um, something that really is um, weighted and and deep for both of us. So this process of being a dancer and also providing our own story for the background context of the dance has been um, surprisingly uplifting at times and unexpectedly heavy also at other times. It's not just my pain, but it's the the pain of my sister friends that have dealt with um, everything from brutal violent rape to catcalling and and the fear that comes with just walking down the street by yourself as a woman. Um, And more than wanting to just talk about the actual pain and the trauma. I'm a spiritualist and and I really believe that we can transmute the energy that we experience and so this piece is really, really dedicated to acknowledging the pain, acknowledging how the pain happens um, and the things that happen to you as a result of that pain, the way that you express and kind of go a little crazy, but more than that, really transmuting that energy into healing. It's important to do this work because um, there's just not really a lot of work in the Bay Area that is specifically around the um, sexual assault, I mean just in general, the experiences of black women. However, when you look at a lot of the like community-based work and, you know, social justice, diversity, inclusion, healing, all that kind of stuff that people are doing, you often see black women leading it or black women being asked to step in and not really in leadership roles, but often taking on leadership. So I think it's important to do this and to do it in a way that we are actively trying to invite people to come and see it um, because there's just so many unique things that are happening that we're calling attention to that you don't often get to see all together or highlighted. This piece is important to do because one is just to bring awareness because some people unfortunately don't know and then also for people who have experienced this it's a part of it can be a part of their healing or at least some type of community or camaraderie it's like hey you're not alone in this struggle there are other people who have experienced it or there are people who are behind you and they're like, hey, I know what it's like, I got you. It's 
important for us to tell our own stories in our in our own way. Um, and I'm really just grateful for the group of women that I'm working with and their courage and honesty um, is really beautiful. And I'm just hoping that people come and witness mm -hmm. the offering that we have. Come and know that they're coming to a transmutation ritual. It's not just a show that you're coming to see, but that you're coming to help heal this pain, whether you've experienced that trauma or not. It's yeah. a collective healing that we're a part of. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Joy and pain, the sunshine and the rain. What we do to maintain, what we do to maintain, fly away. translates really well um, audibly, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that was no, beautiful. No. I mean, I watched it yesterday, but it was like, ooh, this sounds very nice. Doesn't it make you want to go? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, no, it's yeah, easy. it's always on the coast. <laughs> see this on Friday, the 12th, 6 to 8. <laughs> when yeah, I was yeah. I had no context for what I was going to step, what I was stepping into. I just knew it was Jennifer mm -hmm. John. She's a friend. She's one of my yeah. favorite artists, and I'm like, yeah, I'm, let me go support mm -hmm. her. I had no mm -hmm. idea, and mm -hmm. I was thoroughly impacted and amazed. Um, mm -hmm. It's so powerful, and it's just going to be mm -hmm. great to have a, a black-centered, a black female-centered space um, mm -hmm. for us to laugh and cry and love one and share and talk to one another and heal collectively, a space just for us. Mm-hmm. Right, right, yeah, yeah. It's really important when we have those spaces where we can hold one another, you know, like so we we feel supported. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah, I had been looking uh, to see the piece, and and then it came and went. And I'm like, oh man, you know, sometimes it's really nice when you get a phone call, right? <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> Didn't mm -hmm. see you in the house, Wanda. You know, let me let you know about blah blah blah. It's like, oh darn, because I've been, I knew that Kendra was working on it, right? I'm like, I've been waiting mm -hmm. for it, waiting for it, and then it's like, oh darn, um, <laughs> I missed it. So I'm really happy to be able to experience it in any kind of capacity. Um, so I'm really happy that there's a film. Um, yeah, wow, Karishi, it's been such a lovely. Uh, morning, spending time with you. It's been like, whoa. So I was wondering, do you want to share something from your wonderful um, repertoire with us? Oh, yeah. I'll close out with a piece. Um, I want to say real quick, though, uh, one, yes. this is an inter interesting colliding for you and I. One of my yes. students um, had her since the seventh grade, and she mm -hmm. recently took your English class um, mm -hmm. at uh, the College of Alameda last semester. <laughs> oh, virtually. Uh-huh. <laughs> you were in her butt the whole time, but really helped her become a better writer. So um, oh, I don't know really? if you have kids. Uh-huh. 
And, you know, I think it's important for people to know their impact. And I don't know if you've ever, how often you hear um, your impact on students, but I just want you to know. Nothing um, nothing positive. (laughs) (laughs) No. Yeah, your heart, Miss Sabir. Like, you know, like, what? (laughs) Why do we have so much Uh to do? Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah I'm glad. I'm glad it was helpful. It. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this yeah. is a piece um, from my little woman show, Ten and Twenty for This World, and it's called mm-hmm. uh, "Fat Girls Blues." And um, in it, I wanted to. Uh, Billy Holiday is one of my. You were talking about um, Sojourner Truth earlier. Billy Holiday mm-hmm. is one of my signature ancestors. One of my favorite ancestors, and um, I've always really identified with. Um, her story in many ways, and um, and I was thinking like, you know, I understand what pain has been for me, but what would it be like? What what is Billy's, and then where do they um, where do they um, align? And so here's the fact of the Oh, before you before you said though, because I was just thinking, mm-hmm. um, uh, my you know, just doing so much, um, and I'm not sure like where I read it or where I saw it, but. I'm just getting some more more understanding of, of Billie Holiday's um, history. You know, as a young, little girl, you know, her mother, her she was raped, and her mother didn't believe her. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and the um, and the social worker, or I don't know, it sounds the 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 white woman who came in. I don't remember exactly. Uh, um, I don't know if it was the foster care place. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think she had to end up going in foster care, and again, she was. Um, she was raped um or something anyway she was she was i mean she was like a kid right um that was a brilliant you know um you know as an artist and 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 she was being you know um you know sexually assaulted and mistreated and and the caretaker her mom was not believing her and i just thought wow how how horrific right and and then how she ended up you know with her her partner who also abused her. It was just like if somebody would have been paying attention, right? Mm-hmm. Paying attention because we're supposed to take care of our children. Um, but then, what if you, you know, in in you know, in the process of trying to take care of your child, keep a head, keep a roof over the child's head, you know, make sure they have food, etc., so you can't be present. Um, you know, this child is harmed. So is it the reason why you don't believe because you feel guilty? If it's true, then wow, I you know it's, it's on me because I didn't protect her. Is that the reason mm-hmm. why you don't believe? Yeah, you know you just think about you know and I and I sort of like I, I kind of always go back to our ancestors who before they were trafficked, you know, in this big you know human trafficking scheme that laid the groundwork for so much for the world that still continues. Mm-hmm. You know, talking about you know the Middle Passage and and enslavement. Um, I think about the folks that um, that weren't selling us, just you know, got burned out the village and lost somebody, right? Yeah. <laughs> and 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 the feelings of remorse and guilt, like dang, I didn't get my baby, or I didn't know she was still alive, and you know, just all that stuff that's all wrapped in this that makes it so complicated that people can't heal because or acknowledge the harm because their stuff is in there. You know, they weren't like physically harmed, but they're you know they've got that secondary trauma, but they have that guilt. Is the is like the over overriding umbrella, the guilt. Oh man, it's my fault. So I can't I can't even recognize the harm because if I do, then I have to recognize my part in it. You know. Yeah. So I was just thinking that you know, as before, when you said this. 
we were doing, um, as a part of our programming work for Me Too, um, we started doing this thing called the Survivor Healing Webinar Series, and we did um, eight sessions um, in the fall, and they um, concluded in January. And we focused on different things like um, radical self-love with Renee Taylor, um, choice, voice, and boundaries with um, Jennifer Johns and Adrian Marie Brown and Prentice, I think Prentice's last name is Temple, um, uh, telling our stories, just all kinds of things, um, leaning into pleasure and what it means for survivors to reclaim the um, idea of pleasure in their bodies. Um, uh various like rituals like masturbation masturbation practices and things like that so we were doing a whole bunch right um and one of the things uh my i had a friend noni that was on that was talking about forgiveness and um compassion and one of the things that she noted was that in her family um she was a survivor of survivors right so i think that and, and it wasn't until she said that i was like wow like you know, often if you look at people who are survivors, their parents or somebody who's raising them or around them is also a survivor. And I think yeah. some of that, like, not believing that you're talking about really mm-hmm. comes from the idea that, like, if it's happened to me, you know, what was what was Billie Holiday's mother's relationship to harm, to being terrorized, to not having body autonomy, right, like, um, to being taken advantage of, what was her relationship to that? And then how did that um, inform um, how she responded, her her access to her own emotions and her ability to um, to respond to her child, right? I think that that's what we, like, when we think about, like, um, generational trauma, like, we have, to, we have to also put it in the context that, like, that includes sexual assault and rape. And many black women from the plantation or relationships forward, that has been our story. Um, and so then it, it is not only that I don't believe you, but I don't have space to even hear, hear you because what am I going right. to do with that? Right, right. Yeah, what am I going to do with that? You know, because like I, I can't, like, stop moving, you know, because I, I, I'm the only one holding up this doggone ship, right? I am the mm-hmm. water. So what? So if I don't believe you, mm-hmm. we're going to both go down and die. So sorry, child. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to make it, make it through this because mommy got to uh-huh. keep, you know, keep the ship moving. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, and yeah, it's not yeah. fair and it's not right, and I think it's a very real part of our story in a lot of ways. Mhm. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and I think about all of, the, all of the spaces where girls and women are presently that are not safe, but what do you do? Mm-hmm. Like, how can you, how can you not have a place to stay, you know, when there's a pandemic? Like, oh, I can just leave. Like, well, where are you going to go? Like, there, there are no public bathrooms even. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what do you do in COVID-19 in a pandemic when your space where you are is not safe and you don't know mm-hmm. you don't know what your options are? What do you do? Like, and what if you have children, too? Like, where do you go? What do you do? Mm-hmm. I, I think about, like, the legacy of, like, um, um, rape culture. Not, not rape culture, but, um, well, it's part of rape culture, but uh, thinking about how many girls are – uh, turned out and turned into prostitutes, made to like oh, uh, tell their bodies. Yeah, human trafficking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Like you think yeah. about the human yeah. trafficking that exists. Mm-hmm. You think about yeah. um, you think about like um, the ways that like um, what was I going to say? Um, 
Like, not even just human traffic. One of the things I used to think when I first moved to Oakland, I would take mm-hmm. the bus everywhere, and I would think mm-hmm. about, like, how many older men were on the bus and how many girls traveled by themselves, right, mm-hmm. and the way that they were looked mm-hmm. at and, like, um, talked to and treated. And I knew, you you know, sometimes you can look at somebody and just know that they've been violated, you know? And mm-hmm. where was the protection? Who was looking out for them? And they, and they have to go, you know, what if the bus is the only way I have to get to school or through the world? Like, how do, like, mm-hmm. it just becomes a part of my story. Mm-hmm. Violation is yeah, so yeah. yeah, and then you just sort of think about when you were talking about public transportation, you know, instead of trying to make sure people had paid their fare, which, like, who cares, right? You know, the, the mm-hmm. you know somebody's got to get on a, a vehicle, get on a, a vehicle to get somewhere. They're not, they're not not paying because, because it doesn't cost that much money. So if somebody's not paying, then obviously they can't afford to pay. Just let them alone. But what about having someone that's monitoring the the, the transportation system so that people can feel safe, right? I'm thinking, wow, mm-hmm. that would be awesome thinking, right? So that the old mm-hmm. people, older men, are not pre- preying on these young girls, right? And that the girls can mm-hmm. have their, their youthful conversation, they can study for an exam that they are going to be having when they get where they're going, you know, or just, just chilling after school is over. And it's like, oh, man, that's over. I did really good on my exam without having to worry about some, you know, predator or not worry about the predator until they're captured because a lot of times these poor kids are captured. And then because how are you going to know what a predator looks like if you're a kid? You haven't lived necessarily long enough to be able to spot those kind of creatures. Yeah, no, um, and and even if you can spot them, if they're like literally one of the things <laughs> I was thinking on the bus is that they were everywhere, right? Yeah, um, yeah. The person, uh-huh. you know, I might, you know, to make for me to feel comfortable, I'm gonna sit close, especially if it's at night. I'm gonna sit close to the bus driver. Um, right, but like yes. it could be getting on the bus, it could be getting off the bus. Like it's, mm-hmm. there are people while you're sitting on a bus. Like I've been on on BART and and had somebody like start um, masturbating. Like first thing in the morning, um, oh, creepy yeah. looking at me while they're masturbating. You know what I mean? Like, and and I'm grown. <laughs> I used to yeah. live um, over by McClyman and walking or taking right riding my bike um, to mm-hmm. school and back home or whatever. People, guys will like pull up and treat me like I was I was a prostitute, and I, I'm grown. So what does that look yeah, like for a young girl? Yeah, right. You know, I didn't. Yeah, because that happened to me here. Um, you know, it's like happening. They pull, they stop their vehicle like trucks and big things, and I'm like, dang, I'm on my bike, right? Or or I'm walking, and, and it's like, well, I saw you. Did I see you on the beach? And I'm like, no. Um, yeah, it's like, and they just sort of like show up out of nowhere, like they dropped from the from the sky, and all of a sudden this person's mm-hmm. next to me, and I'm like, whoa! And so then I started mm-hmm. carrying something like a taser. So I mean, I have to get kind of close to them, and I also started carrying a whistle. But yeah, and I and I'm a grown person, like a a grown grown person. Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine, you know, these kids. And then you think, if I blow my whistle, who's gonna come for a black woman, right? Because cause, cause I pulled the pin on this other thing I've got that makes this high-pitched noise. And do you know, like, not one person, even even at my apartment, has asked, are you okay? So I'm like, whoa. You know, I mean, it's hard enough to get people to stop when they're driving when I'm in a crosswalk. Yes. 
Yeah. 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 So we have to keep each other safe, and uh, mhm. Yeah. And 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 value ourselves. You know, like one of the things. Mhm. Mhm. If I if I would have had time, one of the things I wanted to do, and it just ended up not being my work, but was to create some kind of organization uh, with like pink coats or some pink jackets, where girls could be part of this group, um, mm-hmm. and they wear pink jackets, and so you're on the bus and you identify mm-hmm. like you see the girl uh-huh. in the pink jacket, so then you're right. you're looking out for somebody who's listening. If it's your work to do, take this take this idea and run with it, but where you create mm-hmm. a program. And you give them a code of, of behavior, and you give them mm-hmm. a jacket, and so then they're wearing the jackets, at, you know, when they move through the world. And then say, mm-hmm. I'm I'm a 16-year-old girl, and I see another girl get on the bus with the teen jacket. I'm like, oh, I got her. And I can, mm-hmm. now I'm paying attention. So then she knows she's not alone, I'm not alone, and if anything mm-hmm. happens, we know how to support one another. Yeah, that's a great idea. I like that pink jacket idea. That's a great idea. Yeah, hopefully somebody yeah, will take somebody that, or maybe maybe I'll see how I can take that. Write a grant, you know, just <laughs> pink jackets, give, give to the girls, <laughs> and yeah. then you know create some. Because uh, I, you know, maybe Alita, you know, who was on my show in the beginning, maybe she could join us in creating some, you know, curriculum and training around the pink jacket brigade, pink jacket brigade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, nice. Cool, cool. All right. Well, I interrupted you. We're getting ready to to do your poem, and it's like I gotta um, add something. Just thought of this. It's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um. So this is um a fat girl's blues. My life ain't been much of a pop song. Riddled with flat strings, deep horns. It it feels more like the blues, like Billy wearing old beat up shoes. Escapism, just the right prescription for little girls who've been abused. So she runs, drowns her afflictions in whatever vice kills memory. See, she doesn't want to think, just drinks and pours her dolls into that little white horse and she rides away. Lets herself fly into night, months into day. She puts her pain in the mic, her life in a song, and she sings. Sings the blues like a lady, like childhood trauma feeling disappearing acts. Maybe that's why she acts like a track star, running away from herself so fast she's left track marks on her soul. And while neatly placed gardenias, mask, decade-old hurts, her arms because of the place that unhappy women go. I see myself in her voice. Her lyrics color my story so I know where she goes when she wants to think into her own skin. I understand what makes her want to disappear. Just away on a cloud of ugliness, nothingness. You're just not enough. Sometimes I feel lost. They're like the cost of being fat is too high. Life is just a little too hard. Trapped in a prison of melancholy, searching for happiness, wishing I were skinny. So I stray, try to lose myself to avoid the ache instead of drugs. I hide behind food, lock myself in a coma trying to get away. Heroin was really drug of choice, but chocolate is my escape. Well, chocolate, ice cream. Chips, any other form of junk I can get. See, food gives me a comfort that no one can touch. The kind of fix that makes me feel normal when everyone says I'm too much. Overwhelmed with pain, I feel like I feel like I'm strung out on shame and I just can't seem to break free of this shape. And while most days it feels like betrayal, my body is often the one place I feel safe. I'm heavy, bogged down with inadequacy, a story without hope. Broken spirit rambling like a guitar, like you sorrow. 
And the more I hurt, the more I eat. Locked inside everyone's perceptions of me, I can't believe there's something on the other side like sweetness, love nestled in sound. Feel more like unwanted confusion than a beautiful possibility. Craziness stuffed inside notes without range, 12-bar bitterness wrapped in struggle. I have forgotten what promise feels like, so I, I cling to the sadness in her tone as she sings. Sings the blues like a lady. Pours her songs into that little white horse, and she rides away. Lets herself fly until night must and today could be somewhere along the way. She never felt good enough for this world. Broken-hearted little girl, all grown up. I, I know where she goes. Thank you. Wow, that's so beautiful. Yeah, I know where she goes. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Well, wow, this has been so lovely. We've we we have been talking about having this conversation and we are having this conversation. Wow, this is so <laughs> lovely. <laughs> we'll definitely have to have another. Um, but this has been really lovely. Uh, well, we're actually going to have another on Friday. Um, cause you, are you facilitating? Yes, I, I actually am um, going to facilitate. And so we're going to watch the movie. We're going to do some activities first watch the movie, which is about an hour, and then um, we'll be joined with um, by Jennifer Johns, um, Linda, and um, and Aisha Bilal, Um and we're going to be talking. Oh, really? Again. Okay. Huh. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's, a, yeah. it's a private yeah. experience um, for black women and girls. If you go mm-hmm. to um, Me Too's website or uh, Me Too's Facebook page, actually go to Me Too's Facebook page, and you can find the link to register, um, mm-hmm. or you can go to my um, Facebook page, which is Kaya Wig, K H A Y A, last name W I G, and um, it's one of the first posts. On the first couple of posts, you'll see the event. Um, it's a Black History Month event, and uh, the link is on the flyer. You can register there um, so that you can join this Friday night. Um, it's for you for um it's six to eight PM East Coast time. So um Oh it's East Coast. Oh I thought it was Pacific time. No? Uh uh-uh. uh. Oh it's so it's oh so it's three o'clock. Oh. Yes, yeah, three o'clock for the West Coast. Oh. Oh man, I'm glad you said that. <laughs> let me put let me change this. Yeah, 'cause I, I linked to um to the Red Zone um Facebook site and uh so that's in the description of the program. But I didn't oh, put um uh, East East Coast time. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I would have been. I would have missed it again. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> all righty. Thanks for saying that. Yeah, it's real important now with all this virtual programming that we know what time zone we're speaking of, so we can make sure that we we get lined up. <laughs> wow! Wow! Yeah! Yeah! Well, uh, again, uh, Karishi, it's been a real pleasure. And if you could um, maybe send me links. To some of your um, your your platforms, I can make sure that I <clears throat> I put you in my my rotations, and would love to have you on again to talk more about um, about your work, and uh, particularly um, you know with uh, International Women's History Month, you might have some things coming up next month that you might want to share and plug. And if you ever want to oh. bring anyone on with you, you know you please you feel free to do that as well. Oh, thank you so much. I'm actually working on a book right now, so hopefully I'll uh, oh, okay. get far enough in my writing that um, <laughs> we can talk about that in March. 
Oh yeah, totally, definitely, definitely. And are you still um are you still um taking young people? Are you still traveling with them to Africa? Um and if so, what are you all doing this year since um you know, travel is not necessarily approved right at the moment for safety reasons? Um so I had to put um a trip we were scheduled to take a trip in twenty eighteen. That um, would have been our fourth trip, and um, we had to postpone it um, due to financial reasons. And um, we ended up at the end of um, no, was that? A, I think that was twenty nineteen. That was twenty no, it was twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen was it? Maybe it was twenty nineteen. <laughs> Every it seems so far along ago, but at the end of twenty nineteen. We ended up taking um, a trip with um, a chunk of our young people to Mexico, um, mm. and because we had to postpone the South Africa trip, so we we took them to Mexico. Which you know, it's interesting. I um, you think about international travel in terms of like planes and like far away, but I realized what a privilege it was. Even you know, a chunk of my childhood was spent in San Diego, and so I was going across to Mexico over and over again. That was like nothing for me. And that was like um, you really got to see the impact of them driving across, physically driving across the border. And that was just as impactful as flying to South Africa because it was a new experience for these young people from Oakland. Um, But uh, so we did that trip at the end of 2019. um, And then we were slated to uh, do our trip to South Africa again in 2020. COVID hit. And so that's been on hold um, when travel restrictions lighten up and it becomes safer. We're going to do one more trip with um, some of the young people that um, were a part of that South Africa trip that got postponed. Um, we're going to finish that trip out. And then I'm actually looking to transform my organization and really focus on um, 18 to 25-year-old uh, black young women. So. Nice. We'll still do international travel as a component, but um, just shifting, shifting gears. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool, super, super. Well, I know you are in another time zone, Central Time, so I'm not going to keep you, but it's been a real pleasure speaking to you um, this morning, Karishi. Um, yeah, yeah, and looking forward to the panel uh, and the uh, and the film on Friday. It's going to be really, really excellent. And is there a cost? For the uh, for the event, and if so, what is it? No, no, it's free. It's it's our mm-hmm. Black History Month gift to you. Mm, okay, all right, cool, super, super, yeah, yeah. And um, I remember, um, you know, Eve Ensler, um producing the Vagina Monologues, um, you know, um, sort of look, calling it the day to look at violence against women, and um, and I and I read somewhere in passing that. Something has shifted there, but I don't remember what it is exactly. Um, insofar as V Day, and and I think she changed her name. Um, but I had an interview with uh, Gina Breedlove, I guess um, in 2012, and uh, and and she was talking about One Billion Rising, and and that was also a spinoff of from Insler's um, V Day, sort of looking at you know women around the world. And, and their allies supporting, you know, uh, safety for women and girls. 
So I was wondering, um, so that's that's February 14th. <laughs> <laughs> For those who don't know the the day, and I was wondering, do you do you know what I'm talking about? Because I don't know where I read it uh, about V Day and about a shift um, in in the programming, or are people still going to be doing something um, on V Day on on the 14th? And if so, do you know if anything happening that you could share with everyone? No, I actually don't. I don't know um, what I. I haven't done the vagina monologues in several years. Um, mm-hmm. But what I do know is that it was kind of like a living document. And by that, mm-hmm. I mean that even for at, at least um, the times that I did it, she was still adding monologues. Um, mm-hmm. So there were like, there were new monologues from the first time I did it to the third time I did it. There were new monologues um, that have been added um, in a continuation of like exploring women's stories around their bodies. Um, and those are positive and negative stories, right? Like, um, and there's um, uh, cross generations. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know anything about um, what is happening right now with it. Okay, sure, no problem. Just wanted to give you the opportunity to share something if you knew of anything. Um, but no worries. Okay, cool, cool. Well, you have a good. Um, let's see, is it still morning? No. Yes, yes morning. still morning there, right? Yes, 11-something, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, cool, cool. Well, you have a, a good rest of the morning and the rest of the day, and looking forward to uh, seeing you at the end of the week. And thank you so much for the work that you do. It's really important and really appreciate, you know, your artistic um, healing work. It's It's really necessary. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on and for giving um, us opportunities and not just talk about Red Zone, but the work um, that Me Too is doing. Um, I think it is so important. and I I want survivors to know um, that they are a part of a network, that they are not alone. They are part of a network of leaders, um, of people who are um, trying to, pushing to make the world safer um, so that we can end sexual assault and violence. Mhm. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, it's um it's really important when you know that you know that you have a support system uh in place. Um you know, once you discover it, it's it's really helpful for you to make those 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 moves, those healthy moves that you might not make if you don't know that there's somebody there or there's some organization there that that's got your back, you know, and and that you can let go because they'll catch you. Right, so it's real important, and I'm really, I'm really, really, really um, looking at how how I might be able to add, you know, the pink pink jacket brigade thing. <laughs> how we might be able to make that happen? Because yeah, yeah, uh, got some personal stuff around that. Um, yeah, that it would it would be nice if if there's you know some folks out there that's got that that have our girls, you know, um, definitely to help them. Be safe. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. All right. Thanks um, for that great idea. I would love to. I would love to support it. This is not my. It's not my idea to bring to fruition, but I can definitely support it happening. <laughs> right. Right. Certainly. Certainly. Mhm. <laughs> so, so if um, someone's listening and if, and if it takes off, please let us know. We are really interested in supporting you. <laughs> Now, and if I'm the one that carries it, I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, definitely. Bye. 
So I was looking through my uh, email, and I noticed that there is um, um, a celebration of black love in Atlanta, and it's an annual event that they do, and they're doing it virtually, of course, because uh, no one's doing anything um, uh, no one's doing anything in you know face to face presently, so I'm looking for where I downloaded it, um, but I got it this morning in my inbox. And then also um, One One Life Institute here in the Oakland, California, is having its um, uh, its day of healing for black people. And so um, so people who are for this particular meditation retreat, um, day-long meditation retreat, it's this particular one is, is for black folks healing black lives. And it's on the 13th, and let me give you the details on that because I do know where that one is. And it's been going on for a, a while, um, Healing Black Lives, a Day of Renewal for People of African Descent. It is um, Saturday, uh, February 13th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern Time. And it's a special Black Love edition. So what it says is, um, for too many of navigating the world and the black body has meant not living in full authenticity, confidence, and joy. As a result of our blackness and other marginalized identities, too many of us have internalized the idea that we are unlovable. In this special black love edition of Healing Black Lives, we will engage self-love, healthy self-esteem, building loving communities, and the pursuit of justice through the lens of blackness. And so the retreat includes practices for sustainability, resilience, and spiritual well-being, Exploring healthy black, exploring healthy self-love, community connection and support, finding strength in ourselves and one another, and sharing hopes and visions. So, um, so they're offering a modified retreat via Zoom, online via video platform, and the registration is free. Donations are appreciated, and you can um, visit. Um, Healing Black Lives, uh, the B-I-T bit dot L-Y forward slash Healing Black Lives to register. And you can also go to One Life um, Institute, which has a website, One Life Institute. If you didn't catch the uh, <laughs> what I what I just told you um, with regards to the, uh, the registration link, B-I-T period L-Y forward slash Healing Black Lives. And the, uh, the workshops, is being facilitated by Reverend Kamal Hassan and uh, Zan or Zane. I think it's Zan West. So it should be really excellent. And I'm not finding right now the information about the um, the Black Love holiday um, in Atlanta. Uh, oh wait a second! I think I just found it. Let me see. Oh yeah, here it is. And it's the ninth one. So they've been doing this for a minute. Um, this couple. Um, let me. Um, let me tell you what it says. So it says, it's also, what day is it on? It's the ninth annual Black Love Celebration. And it is also on Saturday, so you can't do both, I don't think. Um, well, no, 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 you actually can. Because it's 7 p.m. on Facebook Live and Instagram. And uh, and the name of the organization is Aya. Um, and, uh, and see, where is it? Yeah, I'm looking for the details. So um, we're on Facebook. <laughs> Let's see. Um, yeah, 7 p.m. 
live on Facebook, and I think it's Atlanta time, and I think Atlanta is Central time. But, um, yeah, so it looks like it's going to be good. And um, I'm looking to see if I can give you something. (sighs) But I'm not seeing how to, where you go. So maybe you could look it up in Facebook. Look up Aya, A-Y-A. And Aya is... um, is in Dinkra for um, for change and transformation, um, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, that's what it means, and um, and that's the name of this organization. So those are my two announcements, and now I'm going to play this pre-recorded interview that I I'm not quite certain um, what it entails. I just know it was good because <laughs> Gina Breedlove is a sound healer and she is like phenomenal. So I'm going to play this interview from 11 years ago. Let's see, 2012 is 2021. Oh, that's the reverse, 21 and 12. But anyway, you do the math. But it was a good interview. So enjoy and take good care and don't forget to love yourself. Peace and blessings. Good morning, Wanda. I am quite well. Thank you so much. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. It's a 
great time to be thinking about freedom and African liberation and freedom from sexual exploitation and pain and persecution and all kinds of great things like that. And I want you to tell us about that particular song, and then we'll talk about this wonderful community ritual on Sunday the 24th in Berkeley. Well, I wrote that song a few years ago, and uh, I am told it has become a soul classic in the U.K., Um, just ordering my thoughts here. 
so um, Eve Ensler um, is in town, and um, some of her colleagues decided that it would be really beautiful to have an event here to connect and tie in with the buildup for the global celebration of D-Day. Um, and so Bay Area Rising uh, is coming together on the 24th. Women from uh, all demographics in the city and uh, coming together to do ritual to uplift and empower our girls. And uh, so there um, will be uh, participants from Dance Brigade, um, Studio Naga, Sisters of the Drum. Uh, I'm going to be performing as well. And um, we will come together at about 6.30 and begin the ritual. And it will be, uh, we will be honoring um, the four directions. And for each direction, there will be an expression of peace tying in for what that direction um, exemplifies. Um, like for the East, um, it will be about release and about um, opening your heart. And uh, and for the South, there's a ritual to talk about despair and anger and uh, and releasing that energy from your body so that you can be free and and embrace your life. And uh, and I don't want to give too much away because I want folks to just come out and be present and to witness. We are... Um, uh, praying that uh, it is just full of young women that day. They've done a lot of each outreach in the city, um, and uh, and we're inviting um, husbands and sons and brothers and uncles to come out too and support. Mm-hmm. Right. And witness and hold the space. Mm-hmm. So there'll be dance and there'll be drumming and there'll be blessings for the girls and there'll be altars and chanting. And it's going to be quite amazing. Yeah, I think so. And uh, for people that are interested in finding out more information and also if people need sign language interpretation or uh, multilingual interpretation, uh, you can uh, visit bayareaRising.org for all of the details. Um, They can also use help setting up and decorating and helping with the children's craft activities, which start at 5. And then also the uh, the, the breakdown <laughs> of the of the uh, the wonderful um, uh, props and things like that after the gathering. And so yeah. It's really wonderful, and it's a free event, wonderful opportunity for us to get together. And Berkeley uh, Juneteenth is happening, I believe. It's their silver, and I think silver is silver is silver um, twenty five or fifty. Twenty five. Okay, right. so they're having a 25th annual celebration, so people can go to the Berkeley Juneteenth and just mosey right over. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> the, uh, so wonderful. The afterwards, so it'll work out really perfectly um, if people want to hang out in Berkeley. Uh, and if people are going to um, Stern Grove's opening concert, which is um, the headliner is Anita Baker, they can mosey on over to Berkeley afterwards because that ends at 4. <laughs> See, so, it's all in alignment. It's oh, all in it alignment. all works very well. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so Sister Breedlove, um, you are a, a singer, songwriter, and sound healer from Brooklyn, New York, who recently moved to Oakland. And we are so happy that you are joining us on the West Coast. And you've you. toured nationally and internationally with your music, which you call folk soul. Got these great, mm-hmm. like breed love, like wow, that's wonderful. And then folk soul. Mm. Nice. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, you. Sure. You've held healing circles from North Carolina to Northern California, and uh, you do one-on-one work as well, sharing with folk the healing alchemy of focused, intentional sound. And mm-hmm. 
and actually that's that's where I met you. I, I knew of you because of a fundraiser you did with um uh, sisters uh Naomi and um gosh, um right uh Alexa. Alexa, Alexa, thank then, you. Yeah, and then, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. and Ima, right, right, and Ima. Mm-hmm. for Haiti. I think it was was it this was it was last year uh, in in Richmond, and so mm-hmm. I knew your name. And then I had an opportunity to actually experience the uh, the sound healing at a retreat that we had at one of the wonderful hostels uh, here in Northern California. So why don't you talk about what it means to be a sound healer and then to have a beautiful voice like you do. Oh, thank you. I um, You know, well, please, if I can go back just a little bit, I wanted to talk about this um, that you asked about, um, that uh, my um, my friends, my musician friends and I will be performing. Uh, Sister Coffee Brown is going to be playing bass. and she, Shelly, she's amazing. And Shelly yes, Doty. she is. Coffee Brown is like, ooh, I love her. <laughs> yeah. She, we had a rehearsal last night. She's just ridiculous. And, and, um, and also the amazing Shelly Doty on guitar. And we have um, Afia uh, Walking Tree is going to be uh, playing the djembe with us as well. And um, the song is titled Little Girls. And it's a song that I started about uh, 10 years ago uh, when I began therapy to heal from sexual abuse and the trauma that ensued and and I got most of it out of my body and when they um when I was approached to come and be a part of Bay Area Rising I uh the next morning I got the call um, about nine o'clock at night and then I went to bed and the next morning I woke up and finished the song and so it felt like it would be uh indeed the perfect offering. And it is a piece of, it's an anthem, really, about surviving such abuse and, and living your life. Uh, as my sister Jill Scott says, like it's golden, and uh, as it is. And also, uh, you know, just drawing attention to it and and pulling the covers off of it, if I may use that term, phenology, um, and protecting our girls and lifting them up. And so that's what the song is about. Um and uh, and so I did begin this work um, uh, about ten years ago, and when I began my healing journey. And the sound is something that I um, wow that I've done. Well, I, I really, I, I've been doing all my life on my own body. I just didn't know how to articulate it. I didn't have a name for it. Uh, but it was one of the ways that I was able to move through my childhood. I would find a quiet space and I would just kind of sing and tone into my body. And um, and, and, and along with a, a, a rocking motion, which someone, uh, I was in a circle with this Right, and she shared that uh, the rocking comes from when we are rocking in our mother's womb in the, in the waters <laughs> of the world. And, and so that's one of the reasons why we do So the sound accompanied with that movement and um, creates some ease in the body. There is a, there has been a lot of uh, scientific um, evidence to support that sound uh, actually penetrates the skin uh, through the flesh through the cells, through the bone, through the marrow, and um, and shifts energy in the body, moves in. Um, it's not a new thing, though, as I know you know. It's an ancient healing modality. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I was doing it on myself for a very long time, and then there was uh, uh, someone happened to be in my home um, one day, and 
at a gathering I was having, and it's funny, I didn't invite her, but you know how spirit works. She was where she was supposed to be. And at the end of the gathering, she was in my home just sobbing, having a, um, some kind of a breakdown or a breakthrough. And I was moved to ask her, could I? Hello? Uh-huh, I'm here. Oh, you know? I'm so yeah. sorry this hour. I said, oh, no, I lost her. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Yay. And then I was um, um, moved to ask her, could I help her? And then, um, and I did. And I toned into her body and uh, and helped her to move through what was happening. And then she told someone and they told someone and thus began a practice and people just started to reach out to me. Um, it wasn't until I moved to the Bay that I actually started to uh, pursue it um, and make it available to folk, thinking that this could be a beautiful way to be of service to our community, but, you know, for, for me particularly to women of color, uh, because sound healing is such an esoteric notion, really, um, finding language for it um, and, and then sharing it with my sisters is um, it's been one of the joys of moving here. There's been lots of opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just you know, just yesterday at the um, the monthly um, sacred circle here in Oakland, it's held at the um, the uh, East Bay Meditation Center. I believe it's is it third Thursdays or second Thursdays. I think it's the third Thursday. Third Thursday, right, right. You um mm-hmm. you were a special guest mm-hmm. and, and you actually were able to share uh your your healing um techniques with the uh the men and women who were uh, present. So wondering if, if uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about, about what happened. Uh, I know it was just really magical, um, that weekend that we went up to um Pescadero um, and then you and then you gave us a gift, you know, with your singing the Om cycle, and that was just really wonderful. I've enjoyed that quite a quite a bit. Well, Om is a really beautiful introduction to the power of sound. Um, om, the first sound, um, it just has a, a a gorgeous resonance, and when people do it together, you can feel the energy spinning in the circle. Mm-hmm. I am um, in the circle that yesterday. I well, it's my intention to, to share with folk how they can uh, do it for themselves. You know, the, um, use the sound in their bodies. So first, we um, we begin by breathing together and um, drawing the attention, drawing your attention to your breath. is almost an immediate way to create ease in your body. And um, and so we did that, and then I shared some sounds to open up the heart space, and sounds that open up the throat chakra, and uh, and and we did that, which was really wonderful. We did that in a group, and then we, I had some, um, and the circle was just women yesterday, and so uh, three women volunteered, and uh, and then I had the group. Um, assist me in toning into each person's body, and we uh, focused on the heart area. And it was quite, it's always amazing what happens. Um, you know, you give folk an image and you make sure that they hold to it and hold the sister in love or the brother in love, whomever we are um, laying hands on. And then we use our sound, and generally there is a release, and the release looks like tears. And um, and which is you know 
really important, you know, to, the, the whole purpose of it is for me is to get inside and move sadness out of the way because I believe that sadness roots and it becomes stuck and, and then it cre- creates disease in the body. Uh, sadness, anger, grief, it's all, it's all grief to me. Um, the anger, the root of it is grief about something. And so uh, we did that with each person in the group. And, of course, everyone participating in the sound is is affected, not just the person in the center of the circle. It's uh, shifting. It's shifting energy for everyone present. Um, and so it was quite quite amazing. And, uh, and I believe, um, and there was lots of discussion about what happened afterwards. And then I make myself available for questions. And because a lot of this work, once it begins, happens in the in, in the invisible, really. Once you leave and over time, over days. Um, things just start to fall away. And and I believe then it makes it possible for you to, to seek help, you know, from your community, uh, either from therapy, which I wholeheartedly support and believe in, doing um, deep trauma work with wonderful somatic therapists. You know, but at first getting the, getting the, just moving the energy in your body so that you can get to the space to even seek such help, to reach out. Mm-hmm. Um and so we talk a lot about that in the circle. Right. And, uh, mm-hmm. and just all just different pathways to healing. It's all one thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it so is all one thing. Really, <laughs> it was really quite uh, quite beautiful, really miraculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So talk about the intersection of, of your practice as a healer and your practice as an artist. Um yeah, talk about the integration of of the two, and and um, and in your in your path to um, to this particular um, expression of of your gifts. Well, you know, um, it's been um, and it continues to be really uh, a practice because I resisted it for a long time. <laughs> Now, resistance is quite futile. Um, if you do not go where you are being led to go, then you will be dragged. Um, and so it's really relatively recent, like I think in the last eight months that I've even uh, that I've even begun to em- embrace and claim um, sound healing um, as part of my life's work. You know, when I was doing it in New York, and I've done it in circles, but I didn't call it such. Uh, it um, it just seemed like a very big thing to hold and to share, and uh, and also, um, frankly, uh, I've encountered so um, many um, practitioners um, that sort of hold things or or claim things that did not feel like there was a root to support it, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, I just um, I just figured I'd do the work. You know, quietly, and the truth has a resonance to it. And it's that if you build it, they will come. You know, um, notion. And I thought that whomever was in, you know, need would be led. But since moving here, it's become clear to me that it is important that I do step into it and hold it, and 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 hold my position firmly, because it is a big thing and it's a huge responsibility. And uh, and it's and it's deeply important. And you can't hold anything halfway. Um, you know, you can't do anything halfway. You'll get halfway results. So um, how that uh, figures in 
with uh, with my performing artistry, I've begun to integrate it on stage. And before I begin uh, an offering, is what I like to call it, a performance, I will ask people to breathe with me. You know, I invite folks to close their eyes and come in, and let's just all be in the room together. And then we'll breathe, and we might tone a bit um, around the heart space. And then we'll begin. And and throughout uh, throughout the performance, I will um, generally incorporate some toning in the song, somewhere in the song. And sometimes we just uh, do sound and music, and so I'll do it then. And with intention, of course. And my intention is always to lift up all of the folk present and to um, and to connect. Uh, so I, um, I've been on it for a while, Wanda. I've been on this journey for a good minute, and uh, and uh, the more that I embrace it, the more I understand that it really is all one thing. You know, I was trying to separate the two things, and um, and even really try to be relatively quiet about the sound healing because I was afraid of what folks would say or you know how I might be perceived. Uh, but more and more, I I understand that the need is so great that those considerations are not important at all, you know. And the more I open up my arms and, and not worry about it, well, of course, the more the opportunity comes to be of service. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice, yeah. So talk a little bit about, um, you know, your childhood and uh, and the move to across the country. You know, that's no that's no little feat. <laughs> you know, uh, and there, there, there are differences, uh, you know, uh, geographically as well as, I'm sure, with the people. <laughs> well, yes, indeed. I, um, well, I'm a, I'm a native New Yorker. I was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. Mm-hmm. And um, I uh, I always felt like a stranger in a strange way. I, um, in fact, people were always asking me where I was from. <laughs> Because I don't feel apparently like a New Yorker, although I have felt very much a New- like a New Yorker since moving through the bed. Um But I, uh, I have been really graced and quite fortunate to do um, a lot of traveling uh, with my work. I've been um, all over the world and actually all over the United States. And so I got to see that um, the things that about New York that I find really challenging um, don't exist in other places, uh, the, how crowded it is. Um, for me, how dirty it can be. Um, and uh, and just the high level of move, 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 rush, 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 rush. After a while, I felt like I was suiting up, so to speak, psychically every time I was about to leave my house. <laughs> I had to put on layers of armor just to move through the world. And then it was clear to me that I was trying to... Um, it was time for a change. I um I've always loved California and um and uh, uh the Bay particularly. I think Northern California, the ra- the random beauty here just feeds my spirit. Mm-hmm. I do miss um my people, I miss my community. Um and I am creating community here. I uh I have a daughter as well and uh, and so that was a yeah, I was a 13-year-old. She just turned 13. So, you know, there was a huge, huge move uh, for her. Mm-hmm. And uh, and um, But I just wanted to um, to bring her up in a place that had more ease. Um, and so I decided to do that. 
Um, I was actually looking at New Mexico, um, but uh, then I met my beloved um, um, at a retreat, and I thought, okay, but this is the place. <laughs> this is the place where we need to be. I um, my childhood, I was um, I have a, a very large family, and um, we were uh, raised um, uh, by my father, and uh, and it was um, precarious, to say the least full of, uh, well, there was just no one protecting us. And so my sisters and I and, and my brothers, and so um, as you can well imagine, when there's no one protecting the child, all kinds of things can happen at the hands of of, of others. And, uh, and so there was a lot of mishandling, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, abuse and, and um and I could sing, praise God, and so that, and 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 so I would sing to myself and take care of myself in that way, and uh, and it was the one thing that I held on to, and, and it helped me. It was like a beacon. It was like the light that I would just continue to follow, so I could move through it and uh, keep my eyes on what I wanted uh, for myself. Um, when I had my own daughter, uh, 13 years ago. Uh, was the beginning of my uh, of my childhood trauma coming back to haunt me. Although it had always driven my behavior, of course, I was just asleep through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but having my baby girl, uh, of course, just cracked me open, and and it was then that I began uh, the healing work because it was really important that I give her everything that I did not get, including the protection, including the power to um, you know to say no and to um, to cover herself in the world, to give her voice, um, and to plant love in her skin and, and, and self-care and self-love. So I, uh, it was after having my baby girl that I um, that my feet were put on this road. And so, um, and of course, that affected my relationships and it affected my music and it affected, uh, oh, and it affected everything. And, uh, and so I bless it. I bless it all now. I bless my father and I bless I bless all the people who have trespassed and uh, because I'm using all of that work to be of service and to aid others. And um, and I can say that I love being and I love my life and I love loving and I love being here and I love being of service. And for years I could not say that. It's been a lot of, it's been quite a, you know, quite, quite a, quite a trial. Um, so there's is. <laughs> uh, well, thank you. Thank you so much, Gina, for joining us to talk about your life and your work and this wonderful um, event this Sunday, this community ritual. It's going to be so yes. fantastic. One billion rising Bay Area. I mean, can you imagine one billion people in Berkeley? <laughs> <laughs> at uh, wow, at the Civic Center Park, Martin Luther King Jr. Way, at Alston Way, across from Berkeley High. The ritual starts at 6:30, and uh, yeah. other things happen before that, like there's a children's area at five o'clock, and it's going to be all the folks hanging out and mingling, and it should be really beautiful. And it, it goes until about 8:30, I believe, and then people can cool, mingle um, till nine. Yes, it goes until about nine o'clock, and yeah. uh, and and again, like you shared before, we do need volunteers. Uh, I am actually going to be um, um, setting up altars. Um, I'm um, 
the the person to uh, check in with about that. And we we need help with the altars, and that begins at around one o'clock. And uh, and just just you know, bring your energy, bring your spirits, bring your joy, bring bring everything, bring your sadness. Just bring it and leave it in the circle. Share it. Mm-hmm. We'll be happy to have all yeah. present. It's going to be really wonderful. Well, thank you again for joining us and look forward to um, hearing that new song. And with oh, Anthony. thank you, Wanda. <laughs> and, and getting a hug and seeing yes. your beautiful <laughs> face. And it's going to be just great. Um, yeah, I'm really looking so forward to it. <laughs> thank you. All right. Well, you take good yes. care. And, you know, also this, um, this weekend, uh, tonight actually is a concert, but this weekend is the kickoff of the uh, Summer of Peace. Did you know about yes. that? Yes, I did know about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I've got the Oakland organizers in the green room right now waiting to come on to talk about it. So it's gonna Oh, be yay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, you take good care. I will. Much love to you. Okay. Peace and blessings. <laughs> so good morning. Good morning. <laughs> so I hear I hear Sister Mahasan. Um let's see, I was expecting like four of you. Is Kamisha in the, uh on on the air with us? Kamisha Fatima? Uh, unfortunately she won't be able to join us. She is on her way to a training retreat this mm-hmm. morning. But okay. she sends us her blessings and wishes. Okay, and, super. Uh, yeah. Do we have Reverend uh Sanya Jaha with us? No, Reverend Sandia, she's coming aboard. She did say she would join us this okay. morning. So um, mm-hmm. is um, Queen Reverend uh, Mutima Imani on the air? Yes, I am. Good okay. Morning. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> well, um, well, see, um, uh, Sister Mahasan Abdul Salam, um, you have the Genesis Transportation Justice uh, Project and other organizations that you could tell us about, and. Um, and Queen Reverend uh, Mutima Imani, you're a community organizing and peace building consultant, uh, and you're also a reverend at the East Bay Church of Religious Science. And I want to welcome you. Yeah, and um, and I think there's um, there's a third person with us, but I don't know who that person is. <laughs> that, that's uh, Janae Wallach. I'm on the phone. Oh, okay. Oh, super. Oh, Janae, you're joining us. Okay. Super. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Janae, you are a peace educator, and you're the facilitator of the Oakland Peace Ambassadors. So um, why, don't we, um, why don't we go around, and, and why don't you talk to us, uh, tell our audience about the um, uh, the opening concert and conference, uh, Voices for Peace, uh, and uh, and this is a benefit for the Oakland Urban Peace Movement. Why don't you tell us about this Summer of Peace sort of reminds me of when Martin King um, had the, um, you know, the, uh, when the... March on Washington, yeah. No, not the March on Washington. No, when when, when college students and volunteers were going uh, to the South, it was a summer um, program. What was it called? It's got a, it's famous, and I've drawn a blank. Um, you know, the, the whole uh, movement of registering... Um, you know, doing the voter, voter registration. Yeah, yeah, but it was a summer. It was a summer project, and I can anyone tell me what the name is? I, I'm losing. I can't remember what it was called. <laughs> I, I will look it up for you while we talk. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, um, so who wants to start? Go ahead, Mahasan. 
Well, Hawkins, tell us about yeah, what you, yeah. Tell us about the project and and what you all have been up to. Well, this is really, um, you know, an idea not only whose time has come, but um, uh, a memoir that Dean Mohammed, one of uh, my mentors and um, a leader in the community of uh, African American and Muslim community here, and in a worldwide thought leader in the cause of peace, uh, always had a saying, he said, living evolves what life needs. And um, what we found as we came together studying um, the peace ambassadorship, the training, 16-week training that explored in quite a bit of depth what the peace movement worldwide was about, and uh, providing the type of skills, and as Janae often calls it, the toolkit uh, for building peace in our communities, a solid uh, structure of peace as a way of life in our communities provided, we, um, we found that all of us had been converging to this point from some perspective in our life's journey that is, we had a real strong desire, either early in our lives, and a consciousness of peace, and a desire to see more peace built in the world, not only between, say, person to person, individual to individual, but as a society that we could all benefit from the structure of a more peaceful society. So um, as we converged, uh, we arrived at the opportunity to uh, participate in this course. And my personal journey that brought me there, I remember in my early childhood really believing in peace, you know, and and um, there were these um, concepts and values that I learned in my religious upbringing to value peace and understand what an important part it was of being able to live optimally in yourself and optimally in your relationship with others. So it's always been something that I held on to. In high school and college, my interests went toward international affairs. And one of my um, heroes was Ralph Munch and uh, the sterling uh, role that he played in the at its inception, and um, and then moving on to make the uh, inroads for peace in strategic hotspots throughout the world. I just thought that if there were ever a kind of a person I would want to em- emulate, it would be someone little like him. Little did I know that by providence or the will of God, I would have that opportunity and that it would in a participation with the Shift Network, who's presenting the Summer of Peace 2012 Festival. Um, this is far-reaching. Uh, Janae, I want her to tell you about what we consider a real coup, not in a violent way, but in a peaceful way, <laughs> of being able to bring the Voices for Peace to Oakland, California. Oh, great. That's a wonderful segue. Um, yeah, Janae. Tell us about yourself and tell us about the um, the Oakland Peace Movement and, and what it means uh, to be uh, a peace ambassador. And I know you you, um, you actually came to California by way of New Jersey, right? 
with a lot of stops in between. But yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. New Jersey is where I was born and raised, and Newark in particular. Mm-hmm. And um, like Mahasan, <clears throat> I had pivotal childhood upbringing things that just totally uh, set my heart on wondering how would it work for people to all uh, be able to work on projects together or work on whatever it is they were trying to accomplish without there being violence or hatred or anything like that. So I I grew up during the Freedom Summer is what the word you were looking for. Thank you. (laughs) And um, I was, um, my parents were activists and they were very involved with the civil rights movement. Um, We had people from the South in our living room on a regular basis uh, talking about what was going on in pretty graphic detail actually. <clears throat> and the dad was raising money for that and also working to have the first African-American um, mayor elected in the city of New Jersey, in the city of Newark. Sorry, it's early for me. Um, but I was about 12 when we had the riots, and um, it, that was very impactful is the only word I can think of, and it just really tore at my heart that adults... Uh, weren't able to find a way to deal with the pressing needs other than that level of pain and and, um, destruction. So to be in my own community and to see it, parts of it burned to the ground were, um, you know, images that I will never forget. Um, And that stayed with me, even though I took a long route to get to become a peace educator and went through 30 years of public health which gave me all the training in the tools that I now refer to as the tool belt, where I could just imagine each of us as superheroes um, (coughs) that um, rather than being able to be invisible or being able to fly, you know, our human superhero qualities are love and compassion and empathy. And the tools that we have in our belt are the things that we were learning in the class. And I'm just going to clear my throat one second. So we've been learning about everything from inner peace and all kinds of meditation um, through the kind of work you would use in community and use in your thinking from system thinking to the the kind of skills that I was learning in my work in public health with multiple groups uh, using the same grant money or something like that, mediation and negotiations, et cetera. So in um, the vision that I've been sharing with all of those who came together to take the class we were able to get through the SHIFT Network called the Peace Ambassador Training, which is a global training. And the SHIFT Network was very generous with us and helped with scholarships. Um, There are now 27 of us in Oakland who went through that course and became certified in it. And it covered inner peace through international peace in 16 weeks. Um, And that was um, a small vision of what it would look like in my mind if our whole city was taking in-depth each of those skills. Um, so based on having such a solid cadre of people here, we spoke with the SHIFT Network um, on multiple occasions and asked them to please consider Oakland as a city where they launch their global summer of peace effort versus any other city that they could choose from um, because we are here and we wanted to help and we wanted to give back and um, we wanted it to be part of our own rollout to have seasons of peace in Oakland. Um, so we are this for us the concert tonight, which is going to be amazing, 
and people can go onto the website to both look at the lineup and to get just to register, but the concert is free. Um, Voices for Peace dot. That's the wrong. I'll give you the website in a second. So look it up. Again. Is right. Um, yeah. In order to get the entire um, lineup, the website to go to is summerofpeace.net backslash Oakland dash event. And as soon as you look up summerofpeace.net, you'll see the Oakland event. And it starts from the top with uh, who's singing and performing tonight. Some of them are local Oakland groups. And then goes on to show you who's in the conference tomorrow. And you can click anywhere from there to get tickets. Um, but the beautiful thing is that the concert is free. And it is a benefit for a group called the Urban Peace Movement, led by Nicole Lee. Uh, she has been working for years in Oakland, and particularly working in East Oakland, uh, with young people, helping them learn skills to go from a culture of violence to a culture of peace. Um, and so that's the group that we benefited tonight. Tomorrow has our own teacher who led us through the 16 weeks, James O'Day, and he has an incredible background, including having been the Washington director for Amnesty International, uh, running the Saber Foundation, uh, leading the Institute of Noetic Sciences, and now running this kind of a course that he, using this kind of technology, he's able to teach people all over the world at the same time. Yeah, can I can I give um, some of the artists that are going to be featured at the concert this evening? The concert Voices for Peace begins at 7:30 and it goes until about 10:30, and uh, it's at the Scottish Rite uh, Center in Oakland, which is at 1547 Lakeside Drive, which is right across the street from Lake Merritt. And uh, the concert is going to feature uh, Maria Moldar, and she's been a guest on the show, Maria Maldar and Friends. She was um, recently uh, performed at the Berkeley World Music Festival. Who kind of away to choir. Uh, they've also been on the show before, and I used to sing with them. Uh, Emmett Powell and the Gospel Elites, Earth Amplified, uh, with additional performers in. So it's going to be a wonderful, fun time. And then um, at the all-day conference, which starts at 9 o'clock in the morning and goes to about 6.30 in the evening, uh, besides uh, uh, James O'Day that um, Janae mentioned, um, Marianne Williamson is going to be speaking, Bellevue Rooks, uh, Barbara Marks Hubbard, uh, the list goes on and on and on, um, Reverend Eloise, uh, Janae's going to be speaking. Um, yeah, it's going to be really, really great. How did you, how did you get such a lineup? <laughs> Well, that's the gift, um, Wanda. The gift is that they agreed to come to Oakland, and part of it was, would you showcase Oakland for the amazing piece work that's actually happening here, but that's not the kind of publicity Oakland gets, except for people like you helping to highlight locally what we're doing, um, and that that goes internationally. But we were looking for a way to build upon the work that Mayor Kwan is doing with the 100 Block Initiative and bring to light how many groups are here. And that was part of the whole reason to create the Oakland Peace Ambassadors to find each other and begin to work together. So the Shift Network gets the credit for their relationships with the um, world leaders 
and we were also discussing with them people who are local that should be highlighted. Um, but then, you know, they're well they're well acquainted with many peace builders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wanda, if I can uh, jump in just for a minute before we go to Mutima, because she brings a wealth of connection. She's yeah, a, I know. I just mentioned her pastor. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. go ahead. Yes. But we were able to uh, maximize our previous connections in the work. As you mentioned, my work with Genesis and Transportation Justice, we were approved uh, last month for the 25-year transportation plan um, um, strategically uh, adopted by the um, uh, the Regional Transportation Commission that disseminates over $227 billion of funding just for transportation in our nine-county region. So we have a free bus pass that's been approved uh, to start the year 2013 and on for as long as we fund it for our middle and high school youth so that they do not have to sacrifice any of their school success by not being able to get there. So um, people like uh, Reverend Daniel Buford, who is the uh, prophetic justice ministry at our renowned Allen Temple Church, will be uh, an opening speaker tomorrow morning, Saturday, in their prophetic justice work that's being done throughout the community, a 90-year history of involvement and organizing in our community locally as well as nationally with the Beyond the Bricks program. So um, Matima will share some of um, of what her connections in and the profound impact that she and her community bring also. Yeah, uh, Queen Reverend uh, Mutima Imani, want to talk about peace? Um, so far, I think um, perhaps we think others know what we mean by peace. I was wondering maybe we could st- you could start with defining what you know what what is peace. Well, we um, are looking at it from two standpoints, or uh, many ways we're looking at what is peace. And the first place is peace is a place of harmony inside oneself where one is content, one is in self-love, one is in self-appreciation. And when one is in that place and living from the heart, um, compassion is activated and then there is the possibility and the reality to have peace within relationships. And so we're looking at, well, the way that I look at it is like there's there's like four tiers. The first one is the intrapersonal, where a person is making peace with their own selves, um, grounding themselves in the place that they are in the universe and appreciating the gifts and talents. And then there's in, um, that was intra, and then there's in, in interpersonal peace, where you're having peaceful relationships. And once a person is able to have peaceful relationships, um, you, we move to the organization or community tier. Uh, one, when a person has inner peace and peace in their relationships, they take that into their community, they take that into their organizations. So the vision is to be uh, to help people to be at peace and to clear whatever ways that <clears throat> is difficult to be with peace with self so it's easier to be with peace with other people and then that just rolls out and 
in Oakland, we've been working on peace for quite some time. This morning when I was getting dressed, I reached for a necklace and I saw my Oaklanders for Peace and Healing, which came out of um, a group of people who were really um, standing up for justice uh, before the Oscar Grant um, and measurely trial went on, the death of Oscar Grant. Um, and that group of people, which was 25 organizations, came together when Measurely was on trial for the death of Oscar Grant, and we reenacted the Oaklanders for Peace and Justice. And now, um, being invited into the Peace Ambassadors, it's a new circle that's growing, but there are already circles in um, community Get, there has been lots of community gatherings in the last five years that I'm aware of where people in Oakland are coming together to look for peaceful solutions. Mm-hmm. Right. So I wanted just to say that um, I'm the social justice minister for the East Bay Church's nonprofit organization called Faces of the East Bay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Talk about that a little bit. Well, FACES is uh, the East Bay Church of Religious Science nonprofit organization. It's been around for um, since like 80, I'm not, I'm sorry, 98. And we um, have been given money by several foundations to do um, town hall meetings to heal racial wounds. We did, we, we, uh, did restorative justice circles, um, and we were charged by the people who came to our town hall meetings to meet with the police chief to make better relationships with the police. So I've been working on that for about five years. Mm-hmm. And it's been really exciting um, to, um, and slow, but exciting to see the progress that we've we've made. And, and I feel like this summer of peace, um, conference and concert that's happening this weekend is um, just, you know, um, it's like an opportunity for us to celebrate all the things that's already been happening and to use that as a springboard for rolling out kind of a citywide campaign uh, for better community relationships uh, for peace. Mm-hmm. Um, where Where is the um, the conference happening? What's, what's the location for the conference? The conference is in the same uh, spot at the Scottish oh. Rite, the beautiful okay. looking out to the lake. Yes. So it, we have that building for Friday night and Saturday. Okay, excellent. excellent. And then I know on Monday there are going to be um, uh, these uh, telephone conferences that are available to people, and, and then if you miss the call-in time, you, can, you have um, – a few days or so, maybe even longer than that, to to listen to what transpired in the trainings. Could could anyone talk about that as well? I don't have that in detail, but it. Um, if you go to the Shift Network Summer of Peace website, each week has a different theme, and they'll be interviewing ex, you know, people who are peace building leaders in that theme, whether it be forgiveness or healing or something. And then those sessions are recorded. So um, I will look that up, too, so we can announce that. But uh, that's the kind of thing that anybody from anywhere in the world can listen in on. Yeah. Um, um, 
today. In fact, I'm sitting here looking at the beautiful invitation that has been sent out and will continue to be circulated. If someone were to Google Voices for Peace Festival, they will get a comprehensive scheduling of the activities, not only today, which uh, begins uh, with a, um, a live broadcast and the kickoff of the three-month event um, online TV broadcast uh, for the Voices for Peace Festival. And just Google that and you'll be able to tune in. And, and we know that uh, this festival includes the opening concert tonight and the Peace Conference on Saturday with Miriam Williamson, Delphi Rooks, Barbara Martz Hubbard, James O'Day, and other amazing peace builders from Oakland, along with messages from peace builders at the Rio Plus 20 uh, Conference, the United Nations Conference on Sustainable uh, Development and Invent Events that include people like the grandson of Mahatma Gandhi, Arun Gandhi, Alice Walker, Ambassador Chowdhury, and many more peace leaders and pioneers. Um, Phil Donahue is one. Um, Jack Cornfield, that name may sound familiar. Bernard Lafayette, Azim Khamisa, a civil rights act activist and peace activist, and spiritual leader Matthew Fox. So there is something for everyone for this free three-month series of live and online events that will empower you and thousands of others in this growing global movement to create peace as Mutima said, from the inside out. Mm -hmm. So this this training that um, you all participated in, I believe, um, how many weeks was it? Uh, oh, 16 mm -hmm. weeks. Uh, when is, is this going to be offered again, and how do people become uh, peace ambassadors? What's the job description? <laughs> the training has happened three times, and I hope to meet with James O'Day this weekend and talk to him about what's next. It's not being offered as of this moment, um, but I would, that's on my agenda to talk with him and see what's possible. Um, and to join us, um, I'm happy to give my email address out and ask people to please, if they're interested and they're from around here, to please contact me. And I think we need to grow the circle so yeah. that but the question is, what what does it entail, um, being a peace ambassador? What does that mean? I, I believe that we are going to be inventing it. Right now it means oh. that we've gone through the course. Uh, what okay. it's going to mean is that we are going to be bringing together all the peace-building pe groups that already exist in Oakland mm -hmm. and begin to solidify our relationships. And as Matima talked about, we're looking to work with the city, um, work with the school district, work with the groups that have access to all the people who live in Oakland and literally begin to have some of these kind of trainings that we have right here from restorative justice to meditation to mediation uh, be available for a much larger, larger sense of the community than there is now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Um, if I may add to that... Um, you know, this is a big this is a big deal. Uh, it's a launch of a three month uh, summer of peace or season of peace, which there are four seasons to the year. So this will be rolling out in terms of classes, trainings, 
um, opportunities available to any who are interested in becoming peace leaders. Um, we have a, a free peace education telesummit um, in this season, and it's going to be featuring peace leaders in the fields of forgiveness, nonviolence, communication, education, science, sports, and Olympics, arts and culture, business, military, and politics. So for whatever walk of life or walk of endeavor that a person participates in already, there is an application for peace. And doing that in the, in the strain of peace, that will transform literally the communities in which we live. You know, do you want to experience more ease and a deeper sense of joy and well-being in everyday life? Do you wish you could sustain a deep sense of oneness with all of life? Would you like to forgive the people who've harmed you but struggle with releasing old peace and beliefs? Do you long for more harmonious relationships with loved ones, coworkers, and community members? And do you want your part to heal painful wounds within your family, community, nation, and in your own life? Well, during the summer of peace, you will receive these tools and insights and access leading to doing peacemaker work and making communities peacemaking communities, helping us to generate more peace in our heart, home, workplace, community, and the world. Uh, we had to experience the interrupters video. I know that has been being shown a lot, and we're just in admiration of the courageous and mighty work that they are doing as they act as peace interrupters, violence interrupters, right. through a peaceful force. Yeah. Um, wow. Okay. Well, thank you all so much. We're out of time right now for joining us. Um, that was Mahasan Abdul Salam, Genesis, Translation Justice, and um, thank you so much, Queen Reverend Mutima Imani and uh, Janae. Um, how do you pronounce your last name, Janae? Janae Wallach. Wallach, <laughs> Peace Educator and Facilitator of the Oakland Peace Ambassadors. So looking forward to um, our checking in um, over the summer, uh, just in case um, you know people have not sort of plugged in and talking about how this movement is, is accelerating and moving forward into the next season uh, and, uh, and also information about how people can, can get the training and can become Peace Ambassadors. Um, you know, within their their own homes, within their own communities. So, thank you all so much for joining us today. And thank you for thank you for hosting. having us. Thank you for thank you for yeah. having us, Wanda. And look forward to seeing you at the kickoff concert tonight. It's gonna to be really right. lovely, yeah. and and also at you know some of the conferences. There's so much happening tomorrow. <laughs> yes, yeah, so um, make sure you come into the peace uh, open room. Oh. Some of the other things that are going on, the vendors and some oh. of the other healing activities we're going to have. Peace Oakland Room. Wow, that sounds so lovely. Okay, mm -hmm. definitely. And remember, the whole event is free to youth 21 and under. Oh, that's Both awesome. Both the concert and the conference. Right, and I noticed that there was a Oakland resident um, deal, which was kind of cool for the conference. It's, I believe. it's not Oakland resident city, city employees, school district oh. employees, and their oh. guests. Okay. Can yeah. access um, 
conference at a much lower rate using uh, the code City of Oakland when they register. Right, yeah. Okay, well, super. All righty. Well, uh, looking forward to seeing you this evening, and thank you so much for all of your great work. Thank you, Wanda. Thank all right. you. Thank you, Wanda. You're welcome. Peace and blessings. Good morning, and welcome to Wanda's Picks. Hi, is this um, the director? Yes, hi, Marissa Wolf. Wanda? So I'm going to close with One Billion Rising. Thank you so much for joining us today.
is a walking historian with amnesia. Her voice has been stunted by a haunting family secret. A vocal box tucked beneath the stairway in the basement. 